This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Everyone needs a life coach. You got one. Right here on the radio. Welcome to the program, man. We got a great show for you today. Happy, by the way, uh, is it Constitution? Uh, what's it called? Constitution Day. Constitution Day. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. The day that celebrating or commemorating the uh, official signing of the Constitution. Love it. Not cool. Yeah, it's great. Well, and when you think about uh, how hard they had to work to create a cooperative agreement, mm-hmm. and then last night they're debating the smarts about. The 14th Amendment. Exactly. <laughs> Which you have two different sides completely on that, on that story, don't you? You know, did you, what did you think? That, I thought it was great. I did too. Way too long, but I thought it was good. Yeah. I learned a lot. I did too. And you know what else? Um, I appreciated a lot of them. It, it is time to get rid of half of them. Way too many people Because half are. of yep. them, you're not doing anything no. for me. Well, when Donald Trump gets, you know, so much of the airtime, which, you know, I know he's a front runner. I yeah. understand that. But he, he got he got way too much, in my opinion. Well, way I, too much. But what I liked, I loved the format because mm-hmm. the format was, look, if you've said something, uh-huh. own it. Right. And own it on the stage. And it's interesting to see how many people wouldn't own uh-huh. what they had said. Yeah. Those little wussies. But, it, yeah, I thought it was good. They let them, They let those that were, you know, their names were mentioned. Yeah. They let them come back. What's your, what's your response? Which I, which I thought was very good. Do you think I that thought was Carly Fiorina was awesome. Yeah. Oh, I man. thought she did a great job as far as being very specific yeah. on everything from uh, foreign policy. And I thought especially her comments on Planned Parenthood. Those were some of the best I've ever heard. She, oh yeah, oh, she shredded Trump. Yeah, she did. On the face issue. Yeah. In fact, um, do we have that, do we have that, uh, try clip seven. Let's listen to clip seven. You know, it's interesting to me, Mr. Trump said that he heard Mr. Bush very clearly and what Mr. Bush said. I think women all over this country heard very clearly what Mr. Trump said. I think. Oh. She's got a beautiful face, and I think she's a beautiful woman. Oh, okay. And right, right then, I wanted to just go into the bathroom and, and throw <laughs> up a little. I mean, come uh, on. I, I wanted to ask you all night. Like, oh. Okay, so he, oh. First did, of did all, you hear she, the, Did you hear the applause? Oh, yeah. You could tell the women were like, yes. Uh, yeah. And Donald, you know, just had this little smirk First on his off, face. Oh, well, yeah, she's beautiful. You have a beautiful yeah, face. Beautiful person. Let me be condescending I here. Know. Yeah. And you are, a, you are a beautiful woman. Yeah. Okay. Don, does he not get that? You can't. He doesn't get it. He still doesn't get it. She shredded him and he still doesn't get. Can you imagine ever? Anybody saying, Don, you've got a beautiful face. <laughs> you are a beautiful man. Well, like I, I saw her on television this morning. Like she said, only women, totally. and it's true, we're the only ones where appearance is brought up. Right. It's not a, brought right. up for men. Right. However, gee, right at the very beginning, what he said to Rand Paul yeah. about his, he said something, you know, I didn't say anything about your appearance, but look at him. I have, you know, I could say plenty about his appearance. I, to me, that is just so juvenile <laughs> that I it's thought, come on, so sophomore. You know, come yeah. on. Well, and what do you do? I mean, in the end, in the end, they don't dare say too much. But, Don, I mean. But did Donald, did he give you a lot of specifics? No. 
that's the issue for me. Yeah. A lot of it is very – he just generalizes everything where I thought Carly was wonderful on – she gave such great specifics. I thought Ted Cruz gave great specifics. I thought Marco Rubio was great. Um, but then you go to Donald that's and right. it's just kind of general ideas. It's you know give it, But he won as far as people yeah. are concerned after well, he won big. But I think, I, think, I think who thinks he won were the right-wing conservative branch – Everyone on CNN saying it was Carly. Right. It was so kind of the more, I guess, norm mainstream, uh-huh. even those, you know, independent, Republican, Democrat, mainstream, middle would have said fearing it killed it. Yeah. I thought she did a great job. Did I, you I hear, actually thought Chris Christie did well, too. I did, too. Did you hear Chris Cuomo interviewing Trump at the after the whole I thing? didn't see that. Fascinating interview because Trump was exhausted. He mentioned like three or four times that this was just way too long. This went way too long. Uh But he was so exhausted, but he was so conciliatory. He was nice. He was like, everyone did a great job. This was a great night. This was a lot of fun. Everyone did a great job. And they kept trying to say, so who do you think did the best job? Who do you think won? Uh And he's like, I think I did a great job. I think everyone – he wouldn't answer it. But he was so nice. I'm like, where's that guy? And where he is, it's when he's beat down and tired and exhausted. You know what I thought? I thought when that comment – when Carly brought up uh, about the face comment and so many women – well, I think the entire audience applauded. I think the look on his face was like, wow, okay. I, that that was not a good comment. Yeah, that's right. And I think he realized he better knock it off. That's right. I think people are getting tired of the personal I agree. attacks. And I, I we have you, so many issues in this country. Uh, let's talk about that. Well, let's let's get into the issues. And I think uh, I think right there you saw for me for the first time this is how you nominate a female to be president. Mm-hmm. Like because Carly is earning it. She sits up there with sixteen men, I guess now, and schooled everyone and and does a great job and that's how I'm the whole time I'm sitting there like there's a there she is yeah. there's oh that. I thought she was very she powerful. could run and you don't just you don't just you know call a Clinton and make her the president right Carly Fear I'd love to see Carly oh, and, and Clinton Hillary, go head I to said head. that same thing to my husband wouldn't that be great to see those two head to head Oh, and then, yeah, Marco Rubio did great, I thought. Yeah. I mean, what I didn't like, I, Donald going after Carly for her business record, he yeah. was very, I thought, I thought very condescending. And right. he swears he's never gone bankrupt. But there were a couple of them that went, you've been bankrupt four times. Nope, never been bankrupt. So I'd love to yeah. see what, what's the truth I think on it's that? his companies. So he's probably distinguishing between companies going bankrupt and, and himself, him personally. Maybe so. That could be. But he also always talks about how much money he makes on things. Drives me crazy. So like when, when a hotel chain or one of, one of his hotels or casinos closes in New Jersey, he's like, I got out at the right time. I'd made billions of dollars. Except there's a ton of people in New Jersey yeah. that feel slighted. Exactly. That, feel that are hurt. out of jobs. Yeah. Right. You so. know what's interesting is when um, Mitt Romney ran, his wealth was almost oh, a negative. Oh, you remember that? I know. But, he, but Donald Trump, he just – he touts that continually and for some reason it doesn't seem to hurt him. Well, I think again, I think it's a certain part of the Republican Party. So I think who he really – who his followers are are the kind of the ultra right. Which surprises me because I don't think he's – he's not ultra he's not. conservative. Oh, no, but he's a brute. And that's what they want. They want someone to go in and be the hitman right. to just start tearing Maybe things apart. Maybe they just feel he's the one that can beat Hillary if Hillary is the candidate. Yeah. I don't know because he certainly is not a true conservative. Well, I think if we just kept Donald Trump exhausted, uh-huh. he's a great guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's what you could almost oh. hear the more energy he was getting in this interview with Chris Cuomo, he started turning into the same old Donald. Uh-huh. But when he was tired, he was conciliatory. It was, I mean, I think if he would just take a little more – political approach mm-hmm. to just 
There's just things just we don't say. Just talk about the issues, yeah. right? And stay exactly. On topic. But he can't stay be specific. Issue. That's mm. the thing. He cannot. No. Where Carly, like I say, I think she did such a good job talking about what's going on in Iran, what's going on with Russia, and uh, I thought she really had a command of that. Did you Did you hear what Jeb Bush said? Which time? Jeb Bush, you know, embarrassed his mom. I know. Could you? Are could you going to talk move? about that in the news? I'm not. You want to use it? Let's do it. Let's uh, do it. Clip one. So 40 years ago, I smoked marijuana, uh, and I admit it. I'm sure that other people might have done it and may not want to say it in front of 25 million people. My mom's not happy that I just did. <laughs> That's true. That so is true. He's just getting that Barbara's out. Barbara's squirming. Well, and then uh, Lindsey Graham's like, I promise on my first day we will drink a lot more alcohol or whatever. <laughs> so you're like, oh, boy, what's happening to this Republican Party? Now we're into oh. getting inebriated and somehow potted up. Anyway, um, interesting, interesting debate. Man, it was. we got a lot to talk about. Let's uh, first get to the headlines, though, with Kathy. Well, as we've been talking, Donald Trump, the focus of last night's second GOP debate, getting the lion's share of airtime as well as the criticism in the three-hour debate. Trump and Jeb Bush had their battles last night. One was when Trump criticized Jeb, Jeb's brother, George W., that well, you bring to the look, table that Hillary Clinton is a great negotiator, it, that she could bring about a better your deal brother and your brother's administration gave us Barack Obama because it was such a disaster those last three months that Abraham Lincoln couldn't have been elected. You know what? As it relates to my brother, there's one thing I know for sure: he kept us safe. I don't know if you remember. And I heard this morning that one of the things people were Googling last night, yeah. wondering if Jeb was related to George W. Bush. Isn't that scary? That is so crazy. Isn't that crazy? You know what Just else is weird? Do they not? not maybe Donald doesn't know, but Abraham Lincoln is actually not running. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. that's Just, what I'm saying. He doesn't so know he a lot knows. of things. Yes. It's a big well, group. After the debate, Fiorina gained the most new Twitter followers with over 30,000 who won last night. Most every poll shows Trump winning big, followed by Fiorina. A Time Magazine poll showed 63% of people thought it was Trump, followed by Fiorina at 15%. Everyone else was in single digits. Eight people are dead and dozens injured after a magnitude 8.3 earthquake struck off the coast of central Chile yesterday. The three-minute quake has displaced at least one million people, and a tsunami watch is in effect in Hawaii and parts of the California coast. The death toll due to the flash floods in southern Utah has risen to 18. Most of the deceased were in vehicles that were swept away in Hilldale, Utah. The others were killed when a flash flood swept through a slot canyon in Zions National Park. Two bodies have been found at the site of a wildfire in the Sierra Nevada foothills, and four people are still unaccounted for. Officials say both bodies were found in an area where mandatory evacuations were ordered. This was 60 miles southeast of Sacramento. The wildfire has destroyed at least 233 homes, with thousands more structures being threatened. The Serbian refugee crisis continues on, with Hungary ordering a 30-day closure to its border with Serbia, this coming after clashes with refugees and Hungarian police. The refugees were trying to get through a 110-foot barbed wire fence and were met with tear gas and water cannons. Nearly three dozen refugees died when their boat capsized off the coast of Greece. In Germany, officials are tightening its borders, requiring anyone entering the country to show passports. Meanwhile, the Obama administration is reportedly preparing to allow more refugees in the United States, 70,000 this year, 85,000 the next, and 100,000 in the year 2017. And Matt, what a birthday surprise Jad, Chad Ray had recently. What? So his wife pulled out the Apple Watch box. Uh-huh. You know, that looks like yeah, a big, yeah. long, white yeah. box. So Chad was really excited until he opened it up and found a positive pregnancy test. Oh. Isn't that a great idea? His oh, wife, wow. Katie, filmed it all. Chad 
broke down in sobbing and tears. Did your wife ever surprise you like that when you when she was pregnant? Uh yeah. And it was <laughs> if said I were you that did it guy, again. If I were that guy, I'd be like, "So, is there a watch too? <laughs> Do I get a watch?" I mean, I'd like a watch. Yeah, wait a minute. Where is that? Yeah, I was uh I'm trying yeah. It was no? there was one time it was really shocking. Mm-hmm. But it was it wasn't really it was at a soccer game. She, no, a baseball game. She just took me inside and said, "Oh, Hey, by the way, <laughs> do you remember? Okay, so one more. Oh man, you feel good about number what five? Was so, it number yeah, that six? was five. Telling was me five. we're having six. six. And I'm like, okay. uh-huh. <laughs> yes, yeah. So happy. Did you ever surprise your hubby? Uh, you know what? This so. On my third, I thought it was Valentine's. I thought, I'm going to surprise my husband. We had two boys, and my mom always knew I was pregnant. I swear before I did for Isn't some that reason. weird? So the third one, she said to me, you can have a girl. I know it. I know it. And I thought, well, my mom's been dead my on, right? Been, She's been on. My mom's like a witch. So I go get an ultrasound, and the gals, you know, going and going, and I think she's not saying anything. She's not saying anything. It might be a girl. And I was, oh, there it is. <laughs> and so oh, I got the little girl. picture, and I take, I take it back to my husband, and he looks at it. And then he looks at me, and I just started to cry. Really? You're like, I want to be And my poor two boys so are like, bad. what's wrong, Mommy? That's nothing. Because I knew that would be our last one. So, you know. God's then sending us another boy. <laughs> You're going to have another brother, darn it. No. Oh, of that's course, hard you know, when you want a girl. It was, because I'm so close to my mom. I yeah. thought, I have to have that girl. And so, yeah. Well, you're going to have, have three daughter-in-laws. I hope so, yes. Um, not I, at this rate, but. I know. Come on, guys. Let's get going here, please. <laughs> oh, man. Girls. I need a girl. I only had one. Yeah, so, see, one out of six. But I, yeah, but I was wow. raised with all women. Yeah, and that was really so that was hard. good for you. Uh, oh, maybe not. <laughs> I mean, sure, sure it was. No, they were great, great family, good times. Well done, Kathy. Go find yourself a girl. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about internet accessibility. Would you believe that um, worldwide there are about four point six billion people? that are living without internet access. And does it matter? I mean, is the internet a necessity? Is it is it a necessity? Is it something that everybody should have? Or, you know, is it really just more of a it's just a just something that benefits us a little bit, you know? We're going to be talking to an expert who's going to be giving us the insight about uh Internet worldwide, he believes we ought to be getting it for everybody, and there's some very simple answers and ways to do that, and uh, it'll elevate everyone, humanity. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking internet accessibility in just a few minutes. Stick with us. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, in our world today, we've become highly dependent on the Internet, haven't we? And, you know, it's how we stay in touch with friends. It's uh, how we gather the information about what's going on, right? An earthquake in Chile and potential warnings about um, tsunamis in other countries and states. Fastest way to get the information, get online. We do our shopping online. We can look at Google Earth and see what's going on all over the world and how to get. I mean, I've used it just to find where my son was living when he was living in a foreign country. I could go actually find his street. It's powerful stuff, this internet. And right, apparently, according to uh, Homer Simpson, it's it's here to stay. 
So one of the things we wanted to uh, get into is, is it, it's not necessarily easily accessible worldwide. I gave you a statistic earlier about 4.6 billion people on the earth currently live without internet access. And even in the United States, 15% of Americans don't use the internet. You know, these might be more minority groups. They might be elderly. They might be the poor. But it's a big deal. And when you think about it worldwide, it could make a difference in how we educate, how we integrate, how we create healthier uh, communities, healthier groups of people. So joining us today is uh, Costa Grammatis, who founded a nonprofit organization whose goal is to help provide Internet access to the world. He wants to help provide Internet access to the world. He's joining us today to talk to us about the importance of the Internet in the world today. Uh, Costa, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. It is great to be here. Nice to meet you, Matt. Great to meet you. And you know what? I mean, you're an engineer, for heaven's sakes, and a scientist. You were a visiting scientist at M- MIT Media Labs. Why Why do you think it's so important? I mean, people are starving in other countries. Why does the Internet matter? Well, I mean, you bring up a great point. Internet's not going to feed you in many places. You can't, you know, order seamless uh, delivery. Yeah, right. But, but, the, but the Internet... Um, is just and, and access to knowledge is just one of the many problems that we have to solve. So I, I don't think it takes away from the the, uh, the problem of world hunger or access to water or access to sanitation. It's just another one of the problems to add to the pile. Yeah, I mean it's, it doesn't have to be an either or, right? It's a it's an and, and it's something that we probably could solve relatively easily. Oh, absolutely. And there's there's a lot of people working on it right now uh, to ensure every person has access to the Internet. Uh, that statistic that you brought up about the, the 42 percent of people who have Internet access and yeah. everyone else who doesn't, um, it's staggering. If you take a moment and think about how the Internet impacts your day to day, like how many times you check your email how many times you have to, you know, consult Google Maps to know where you're going. How you knew about the Chile earthquake which happened two hours ago. Yeah. The evacuation happened two hours ago. It's amazing. It, it, it is. And I, but I guess I guess part of it, too, is um, it, the Internet's one thing. Access to the Internet would be one thing. And then I guess you also would need tools and devices to be able to to actually, you know, access, right? So it's one thing to have the internet service or ability, um, but I guess, too, you'd have to have some device, some phone, some tool. It, it, it seems like eventually this, a lot of this becomes a financial issue. In, in some, yes. In many, in many ways, yes. So there's, um, in many places, there's cellular services and people have smartphones. Mm. Uh, smart, the cost of smartphones is just, hitting rock bottom and will continue to go down. They're just going to be ubiquitous. They already are becoming that way. Um, But we're seeing in many countries the the, the speed at which Internet access is rolling out, whether that's via a wired Internet connection like your DSL or cable modem at your home, or if it's a a, a wireless connection like like your cellular connection or even a satellite Internet connection, uh, which some people have, you, you, in fact, you're involved in that, right? Yeah, we worked on a lot of satellite stuff, a lot of satellite projects. Yeah, because uh, you worked with SpaceX. It's but so. Let me get this straight. 
Facebook is thinking you could probably provide some wireless by using internet drones. Google is is thinking let's use balloons to get it to to be able to to get the signal I guess high enough and out there where people can get it. And then SpaceX is thinking satellite um internet and is the ultimate goal just to get the entire globe wired? Absolutely. Yeah, and and Richard Branson as well, Virgin Virgin America, Virgin the whole Virgin brand, uh, they're working on a satellite internet access as well. Hmm. And, and really, it's 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 because I mean, because I, I see that ever since my family's been wired, they've become really jacked up. But you you but, so talk to me about the humanity side of all of this. I mean, it really does. This could this could make major changes. I mean, you, this is how you could disseminate information about how to clean your water and how to deal with malaria. I mean, you could you could inform and educate people. Yeah, knowledge is knowledge is power, and people who have access to the internet have access to the world's knowledge at their fingertips. Uh, the Library of Alexandria it it burned down and and all humanity lost a lot of information. Yeah. <laughs> and it took us hundreds of years to get it back. The internet is very hard to burn down. It was literally designed to withstand nuclear attacks. That's what it came out of, um, but by by U.S. research. And the idea that people today don't have internet access means that they don't have access to that Library of Alexandria. They don't have access to Wikipedia, to the news, and to the the democratic force of being able to communicate in real time across the planet with other people. Mm. You think of the Internet as like a nervous system for humanity. Um, it's, it's like the way we're able to feel and think and learn and uh, experience things on the other side of the planet. Everyone who's disconnected is, is essentially disconnected from that nervous system. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Well, and you can even see that there's just culturally certain information that you might not be able to access through your culture because they don't want you to have it. But uh, this could, like like you were mentioning, um, just democratically, I mean, it could become a force of information uh, that, that could open up, you know, open up minds, open up hearts open up a lot of stuff i guess too it could cause i mean i I wonder if every culture's ready for it it's it's that's a great question but the what we're already seeing what the internet can do we saw what happened in the arab spring yeah you know where the, the twitter catalyzed revolutions uh we've already i'm sure you've read those wonderful campaigns where somebody's having some problem like their family um, and they put up a Kickstarter or, or one of those GoFundMe campaigns, and the Internet steps up to help out. And, and we're calling these Internet campaigns like powered by the Internet. And mm. it literally means the millions of people who use the Internet every day and can get inspired and moved by some cause or want to participate in helping another person. It breeds this kind of empathy and humanism across borders, nationalities, genders, races, yeah, and it also breeds some hate too. I'm not going to be totally right. You know, but <laughs> no, but, but, but that yeah. side as well. Yeah, you have to kind of pick up both sides of the stick. It seems like right. You're going to get the benefit side, 
and then you'll pick up and you'll get the consequence side, kind of the, the I just call that the Kardashian side. So now we'll have Kardashians in Kathmandu, um, which is the great export of the United States. But I, I really I think it's it's a really interesting idea. Let's take a break, um, Costa. I want to come back and have you keep uh, teaching us about some of the technology, about um, other benefits of it as well. And and really, I, I think societally, it's oh man, just to get democratic thinking, I guess, going would be powerful. And and really, education I think is the number one way. How many lives could be saved just simply by understanding, or even learning to read, being able to use the internet to learn and to teach people to read. Powerful tools, folks. Stick with us. We'll come back uh, trying to help you see the good in the world. The internet worldwide. Big, big opportunity. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Joining us, uh, Costa Grammatis is joining us. He is uh, hes a crusader, folks. He's fighting uh, the fight to basically make Internet accessible to everyone in the world. Currently, about 4.6 billion people live without the Internet and access to the Internet. And I get it. I mean, we talk a lot on the show about, whoa. Ever since the internet age, people have just been circling the drain. And yet, you know, sure, because we already knew how to read. We already knew. We already had educations. We already had a lot of the things that could so easily be delivered online. I even have my own relationship coaching program that couples can go watch online and get 150 hours of classes. That there's no way I could deliver and there's no way they could afford to pay and attend, but they can get them online now and have them on iPads and iPhones. And what if you could just learn to improve your marriage, learn to improve your, your, you know, your water system? Interesting stuff. So we're, he's joining us today and uh, we're picking his brain to figure out what we can do to maybe help and why it's such a big deal. Again, Costa Grammatis, welcome back to the show. Hi. You know what? We got to we got to tell them who you are. That you're an engineer for SpaceX. Was an engineer for SpaceX, where uh, you led the design of the satellite that's now in orbit. And and this the the satellite that you put up in orbit is it an internet satellite that provides internet? It doesn't provide internet. It was it was like an experiment to uh, to determine if we can literally make satellites phone calls from space. Oh wow! Yeah, did it work? <laughs> Yes. One was blown up. It's at the bottom of the ocean. The other one actually made it to space. That's amazing. But is now, honestly, though, when you think about it, Costa, it's going to be just a lot more junk in space. <laughs> I'm assuming you'll need a lot of satellites, right? And then Elon wants to put 4,000. Does he really? That's a traffic jam. Yeah. Don't you think? But I mean, but again, like I was saying, man, imagine that you could deliver in people's languages, in their hands, a really powerful education system. Then these mm-hmm. kids, then we don't, even, we don't even have to buy books. We don't have to buy, 
I mean, it's interesting. There's so many groups going to Africa building classrooms, which would be so powerful. But with Wi-Fi, you could just provide a television set in a classroom and have top-notch teaching from their major cities in every country. I got to tell you a little story. There's this gentleman who uh, named Sugatra Mitra who discovered that kids can teach themselves anything if you just give them a computer and a little internet access, like kids. Like oh. they can, you, you, put a, you put a computer facing out the street uh, in a New Delhi slum. Huh. It was just like built into the wall. Yeah. And the kids started learning English. They started learning how to use a computer and, and, and were like surfing the web and doing things. And he's like, what is this? What are these kids doing? How are they managing to pull this up? They, nobody's taught them. They've just p- picked it up. They're just the figuring it out. And and no one believed him either. They're like, nah, these kids are learning English from tourists. There's no way they're learning how to read from a computer. That's possible. So he dropped off a computer with like a bunch of old CDs in the middle of nowhere huh. um, in in uh, in India. And he came back a couple months later, and the kids go to him, we need a faster processor and a better mouse. <laughs> See, that is the problem right there. That is amazing. They using, yeah, they were using it to learn how to read. They were they were they had like old Encarta CDs. If you remember, yeah, that. Oh, totally. They were learning all these amazing facts and learning how to do things. Right now, that same guy, he's building something called uh, classrooms in the cloud, where he's building basically just taking old buildings, putting an internet connection, putting some cheap laptops in there, and connecting young kids to Really, really old yeah. English grandmas from England. <laughs> really, who are retired, tutoring teaching them, teaching the kids how to speak English. Oh, that's beautiful. See, that's <laughs> what it's for, right? I mean, that's the answer. And because otherwise, yeah, if we want to elevate the entire world, it's got to be. It's got to start with education, and the internet yeah. has to be a part of. I think that delivery, because you can't just keep flying old grandmas from England. To Jakarta or wherever. Yeah, it doesn't work, does it? That's why that's why you're so into this. Is this is this um do you I mean I guess if you get the biggest backers, the Virgin uh you know, Branson guy, you get all these people and there's money and they're doing it charitably. I mean, I think of Bill Gates, he'd probably get way behind this, wouldn't he? Well Bill Gates has actually criticized um some some like Facebook yeah. and internet dot org. Uh, because he says that there are more, just like how we started this conversation, there's more important things to tackle other than Internet access. Right, malaria. And there's a lot of, right. there's a lot of arguments going around. You know, when I first started this, uh, it was about six, seven years ago, nobody was talking about Internet access to developing countries. They, they thought humanitarianism you know, is solely like we need to feed, feed people and stuff like that. And those are, those are really important things to do. Um, but now... Every powerful person, it seems, is working on this problem, which hmm. is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. But we have to understand what their motivations are. Yeah, because some want money. important part. Yeah, right. And it, it, exactly. So, like, Facebook might have run out of market share. And, and some, in some places, people are saying Internet access is Facebook because they get introduced to this walled garden where right. they can only access Facebook for free, which is a little bit scary. Yeah, that is. That's your only experience. You know? Yeah. And then who controls? That's, I guess, the other thing is who controls it? Does government control 
you know, the messaging. I mean, I even think of if we're trying to combat malaria, that it one of the great ways to educate on that would be having internet access. Um, but then, could does the country that governs that area do they have access and governing of what content goes on, and then censorship? I mean, is it going to be an open internet? It's a it's an interesting thing. You, if it seems like if Elon Musk puts the four thousand satellites up, that you know that that sounds like a really bad James Bond movie. Because then <laughs> well, all of a sudden he controls country, the minds of everybody. Every country gets to control write their own rules okay. about how internet gets used. So in order to land, it's called landing rights. In order to put the signal. In one of those countries, they'd have to agree to abide by the laws okay. of that country. Otherwise, they they literally have to turn it off when it flies over the country. Really? Yeah. So yeah. you you have to make a pact or whatever, an agreement with the country, and then that's good because then the country could kind of maintain its its standards, its belief systems. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, um, what what else do you see happening? Like, what what else needs to ha- I mean, the the big money's behind it. The researchers are behind it, I guess. Um, what's the holdup? I don't. I, I think internet access inherently. It's not a technology problem. Like people think I'm a science. Coast is a scientist. Like he's right. working on the tech problem. It's actually a political problem. The reason why people don't have internet access is because. Uh, there's a lot of money made in telecommunications, and there's a lot of vested interest in keeping the status quo wherever we are or wherever yeah. you are. Um, there's usually monopoly. We have it in the United States, you know, monopoly incumbent telecommunication companies, Time Warner, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, some people only have one provider, and the, and the uh, corporations want to keep it that way. A lot of these places, the government is the telecommunications provider and provides a level of control. And they have no interest in necessarily expanding the reach of Internet access or making it better or faster. Um, we have – you control Internet. You can control a lot of inform- – all the information that's, that's transmitted and who gets to see it. So there's a lot of political forces. I'm not saying it's all evil. Yeah, that, no. But in, well, but in it's money-centered, places, a lot of it. Exactly. It's a lot of money, and it costs a lot of money to build as well. Infrastructure is mm-hmm. billions and billions and billions of dollars, and there's trillions of dollars to be earned. So that's, that's mostly the reason why you don't have Internet in a lot of places, because it's not a hard thing to do besides the politics right. and the money. And by the way, for the listeners, that's coming from uh, Costa Gramatis, who invented a bionic eye. I mean, you're not, you know, you're no chump, Costa, but you, you really, I want that out there. You were uh, visiting scientists at MIT working in the vision systems world and the co-founder of the bionic eye of the Iborg project. Come on. I mean, I know what you're doing. You're going to get internet out there. Then you're going to start peddling your eyeballs everywhere. Is that what you're doing? That's exactly what we're doing. We we just want we want the world to have bionic eyes. And yeah. But you know, I'm on to you. I'm on, I can read you like a book. Um, I think that's super um, cool. And and again, once we just had this on the show the other day, the, just the amount of uh, what's the word? 
corporate advocacy that goes on in governmental affairs, it's outrageous. So I can only imagine what the AT&Ts, the Time Warners, all of these big providers are saying. And really what you need is a, a kind of the visionary of an Elon Musk and maybe the financial uh, you know, contributors, if you could get a, some of these bigger financiers on board, to open literally the minds, the hearts, the the education system. Just make it an education system. This is why the internet started free. It needs to just be – what we need is the underground to take it back over. Let's go underground with it. Well, there's nothing stopping people from building their own networks. And, and in many places, there are these sort of – we call them dark networks. They're not – there's nothing sinister about them. Yeah. It's, it's just these ways for people – like in, in, in Haiti, for example, where there is one internet – there's one wire that connects the entire island and like – very few people have access to internet yeah. there. They have they have started loading up files on USB drives, and they pass it around. Oh, and it's wow. almost like a news service uh-huh. where they pass around files on these USB drives, and that's their version of the internet. The the human being is going to figure out a way to get the information. And uh, Costa Gramatis, we appreciate you, my friend. That's it's great stuff you're doing. Keep up the great work and the eyes and everything else you're doing. Um, really, I think it could change the world. It will change the world. Um, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. You bet. Uh, seriously, folks, think of that. Just the opportunity. There's people that are passing around thumb drives to get information when we could so easily hang a balloon over a town. And provide Wi-Fi service Mm. or a satellite. It's time to get real. It's time to get real and start uh, using the Internet to lift, to elevate, instead of just to make money. I mean, you can do both, but let's get at least something happening. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, one of our favorite segments. We're going to go with Kathy Aiken and find out about the good in the world. Interesting stuff coming up. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Remember, one of the goals of the show is to help you make sure that you can see the good in the world. And our own Kathy Aiken has specialized in finding stories that promote the good. That's right, Matt. You know, have you ever been in a situation where someone was in need and and you wish you would have done something to help? Well, we found a man from New York City who saw a woman being assaulted on the subway and didn't think twice. Maurice Osborne loves to help people. I am from New York City. I'm 37 years old. (laughs) Right now I'm interning at a doctor's office. I'm currently trying to pursue my degree. A degree as a medical assistant to help those in need. But a woman he helped recently didn't come at the doctor's office. It came while riding the subway. I was headed to my internship that day. I was in the second to last car. And when I ride the three train, I get off at Eastern Parkway. And as the doors opened, something caught Osborne's attention. When the train doors opened at Bergen Street, I heard a woman screaming. Everyone in that train car got out with me to go look to see what was happening back there. 
And when I was looking, I saw someone, I saw some man on top of a woman. She tried to get out the last car on Bergen Street, and that's when he grabbed her outside right there on the platform. Without hesitation, the 6'1", 200-pound Osborne ran to help. I started going down there towards her to assist her. Because the guy, when he saw me going towards her, he got up and he tried to get as far away from me as possible. And then I heard her scream. He was trying to rape me. And then that's when I flipped out on him. Uh, attacked him, beat him up, punched him, punched him in his face a few times. That's, that's what I'm supposed to do. I didn't, I didn't think. I just reacted. That reaction cost Osborne six stitches above his eye and a swollen right hand, but he said he'd do it all over again. He took the suspect, 40-year-old Alvaro Denica, by the collar, pulled him up the subway steps and across the street to the 78th precinct, handing him over to police. The 28-year-old victim followed to tell investigators what happened. said thank you. She was grateful. His advice to others in a similar situation? To always help. To always help somebody... To always help someone who's weaker than because you never know when you'd be in that position. Because of his heroics, a GoFundMe page was set up to help pay for his education. So far, it's over $22,000. A pleasant surprise since Osborne is currently living in a local shelter. You're around a lot of people you don't want to be around. You have to deal with a lot of different personalities. Food is not good. Osborne is optimistic things will get much better. Thanks to his desire to help others, he's receiving help as well and looks forward to a brighter future. Well, I hope that I can finish my degree and start my career. Help and heal a whole lot of people and make a difference in people's lives. Isn't that great? So awesome. You know, it said a lot of people went to see what was going on, but yeah. he was the only one that would do anything to help. So well, good and, for him. But you have a crowd. If right. you have 20 people, you would have thought that you would have all gone. Them. Yeah, yeah. But he went. He said the man was a lot bigger than him weight wise. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, congratulations to him for stepping up and helping this woman who was, she was, she was being raped right yeah. there outside the subway. I mean, don't you wonder how long people would have waited? Mm hmm. Like, what would it take? What it does it, and it does it just like the three guys in France that right. took on that Immediately. shooter, I right? Mean, yeah. I mean, heroes. I guess you're not you're not just born. You're in the moment. In the right. moment, you get the prompting. I think there's many times where something happens and and we don't immediately react to that. Why didn't I do that? Yeah, yeah. You know, but he immediately, and I do think that takes a special person to go. You know what? This isn't right. I need mm-hmm. to go do something about it. So he did. He literally grabbed the guy, took him over to the police station, and said, "Here you go." <laughs> didn't you love this? And, I mean, I, and I and I had to hit him. Yeah, I had to beat him. I had to hit him in the face. face. I mean, come <laughs> I mean, on. But it's so true. <laughs> but and I mean, he feels bad. Though. It's like he feels bad, and I, you know, I had to. Take him out. Yeah. He told me that he's had numerous uh, problems throughout his life, and you could tell he's really struggled. Yeah. But now with this GoFundMe page that will help pay for his education, he really does want to work, and he wants to get out there, and, and hopefully we can, he can be a, a doctor's assistant one day. I think it would be wonderful. Is 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 he getting traction on the GoFundMe page? Yeah, 22000 over 22000 oh. When I first got the story, it was, yeah. I think, about 18000 and then by the time yesterday I looked, it was over twenty two. So That's wonderful. I mean, education. here, there's his education. Yeah, for doing Isn't something great. great. Yeah. 
I think it's fabulous. Well, and two, the mere fact that he has to live on the street. Right. Lives, lives in a May, shelter, yeah. really struggles. He has, he has siblings that are close by, but yeah, he lives in a shelter. But so. maybe that helps. I mean, the rest of us are so afraid to get involved. Right. Especially something like that. Right, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, good for him for sticking up for that woman. And hopefully Mm. she's okay. He he didn't see her after that, after uh, she went to the police to, you know, tell what happened. But uh, he hasn't seen her since. No, but he said she was very grateful and and just kind of, he moved on just like it was no big deal, but it really was. (laughs) A hero. Yeah. A hero. Well done, Kathy. Appreciate it. Man, uh, what a guy. Seriously cool. Good stuff. When you think about it, it's just, folks, there's everyday opportunities, right? And that's pretty extreme. That's pretty aggressive. But I'm going to bet five people could have detained this guy. Or one throwing punches. What a stud. That's great. There's heroes among us, right? They're uh, they're out there and uh, making life better. Whether they're trying to get the internet for the rest of the world so we can get better education or just taking on an assault. In the subway system, heroes everywhere. And you are one of those heroes. Let's remember the goal of the show is to help you find the good in the world and uh, everybody. We've all got a little bit of a divine spark inside each of us. That's the first hour of the show. We'll take a break. Next hour, more topics, more ideas to help you lead a healthier, happier life. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side, helping you with your human project. Uh, Do you ever feel like, uh, you know, you're on this earth, you got a big blob of you, and you've now got to go make it into something? Well, this is the show that's going to help you get the tools, the information you need to live longer and love stronger and lead healthier, happier lives. Hello, and top of the morning to you. We've got to talk about the debate. Holy cow. And again, I do not understand it. Uh, Trump definitely was the center of the debate because pretty much... He had offended everyone, and everyone had then said something. And, and the way CNN ran the debate is they just kept, you know, going back to, well, Mr. Bush, you once said this about Donald Trump, what do you, and then put him head to head. I think that's a smart format. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And Trump was loving it. Oh, Can yeah. you tell? He was loving it. But you know how many – what debate was – I can't remember was years ago when – Oh, I think it was Al Gore, how he got criticized for his facial responses, yeah. you know. But Donald Trump had several of those last night. Did right. you, did oh, you yeah, see totally. that? Some of those yeah. like, oh, just yeah. disgust on his face. <laughs> I thought, you know, that didn't go over well years ago. But I guess today it's okay. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. I think all the rules are gone, don't they're you think? They're gone. They just, oh, with him, they're totally gone. They don't even matter anymore. In fact, um, it, it makes you wonder because I, at, at the end of this debate, I really thought, okay, we could we could lose five of them now. There's five of them that I don't even a good f- yes yeah. at least five right? I agree get uh-huh. rid of five so yep. or get it down to ten uh-huh. then let them fight a little bit longer but um, it, I was thinking that until all of the the sudden Huckabee said something uh, clip number ten and I thought man maybe this is the answer I think we are in fact the A team we have some remarkable people and in fact not only are we the A team we even have our own Mr T who doesn't mind saying about others, you're a fool. 
And I'm delighted to be here with all of these guys and would put any of them in an administration that I led. Wow. That I led. That's great. Can you see, Mr. T? You're a fool. You're a fool. I pity fool. the fool. <laughs> I pity the fool that calls me Mr. T. You know that um, maybe that's the answer is you just have them all run as one. Yeah. Let's just have 10 presidents. I vote for the fraternity of the Republican Party. <laughs> I would like to nominate the uh, the A team. The great thing about the A team, though, is that you you know you get to ride around in a van and hop out and save the world at times. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That was creepy. <laughs> anyway, it was an interesting debate, and I'm honestly glad it's over. Now, the great news: I think there's only what 14 more, something like that. And, and the Dems, Ooh. the Dems have what six? Yeah, yeah. This is, I think, this is going to be a problem for the Dems because these guys are getting in some seriously good shape, and one by one, I mean, some of them are learning some seriously amazing ninja skills. Uh, in fact, did you? Hear, there we go. Did you hear Bobby Jindal go off? Uh, this, I did not see listen the to debate. clip number six. I'm in compliance with the 11th commandment, and I would tell my fellow Republicans, let's stop treating Donald Trump like a Republican. If he were really a conservative, if he were really a conservative and 30 points ahead, I would endorse him. He's not a conservative. He is not a liberal. He's not a Democrat. He's not a Republican. He's not an independent. He believes in Donald Trump. He's not even a human. He's a Martian. Jindal... Jindal just reminds me of kind of, you know, at the dinner table on Thanksgiving, uh-huh. the uncle that never says anything and then all of a sudden he pipes up right. and starts talking <laughs> and then they all look at him and they're like, hey, Bobby, quit talking. Pipe it. Well, Pipe I love the it. ones that are way down in the polls because, you know, they're the ones that are going to come out swinging more. They can say whatever they want because well, they really don't have a chance. They got nothing to lose, right? right? Lindsey Graham in clip 14. Check out what he threw out there. One, thanks CNN for having people at this debate. They started drinking together. That's the first thing I'm going to do as president. We're going to drink more. But you've got to learn our language. I don't speak it very well. But look how far I've come. Speaking English is a good thing. I've never met an illegal Canadian. Tom Thurman had four kids after he's 67. If you're not willing to do that, we better come up with a new legal immigration system. Do you think Putin would be in the Ukraine or Syria today if Ronald Reagan were president? No. I've got a real good chance of beating her because I don't say things bad about her all the time, just when she deserves it. And her definition of flat, broken mind are a little bit different. <laughs> they're just saying whatever they can. They're they're just throwing it out there. I mean, yep. it's like he's at an Im- he's at the improv, <laughs> doing a little stand up routine. I think his numbers are the worst, aren't they? Yeah, they I are. I think Graham's at the very bottom. Okay. And then he pulls out that beautiful southern drawl, and mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, did I just get beaten down by him? <laughs> But I don't know why he's advocating we're going to drink more. What kind of platform is that? Oh, Man. Anyway, it's, it's done, folks. Uh, number Thankfully. two down. I think 14 more. If you think about it that way, it's really hopeful. <laughs> 14 more of those. By the way, best ratings ever. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, who really? I mean, well, it's good that people are getting involved. They're listening, and that's important. They, they need to become informed, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Okay, Kathy, take us to the headlines. Figure oh. out uh, what's going on in the rest of the world. Okay. Well, according to most polls, Donald Trump won big in last night's second GOP debate. Carly Fiorina came in second. On the topic of foreign policy, here's what she said about Russia and Vladimir Putin. 
Having yes. met Vladimir Putin, I wouldn't talk to him at all. We've talked way too much to him. What I would do immediately is begin rebuilding the Sixth Fleet. I would begin rebuilding the missile defense program in Poland. I would conduct regular, aggressive military exercises in the Baltic states. I'd probably send a few thousand more troops into Germany. Vladimir Putin would get the message. Trump, on the other hand, had a different view on foreign policy. But I would get along with a lot of the world leaders that this country is not getting along with. We don't get along with China. We don't get along with the heads of Mexico. We don't get along with anybody. And yet at the same time, they rip us left and right. They take advantage of us economically and every other way. We get along with nobody. I will get along, I think, with Putin. And I will get along with others. And we will have a much more stable world. Two responses that got the most applause came when Fiorina talked about Trump's comments on her face as well as her thoughts on Planned Parenthood. As expected, Trump was the primary focus of criticism, but he didn't back down when it came to criticizing his opponents. Rand Paul took a hit from Trump and didn't like it. I think really there's a sophomore quality that is entertaining about Mr. Trump. But I am worried. I'm very concerned about him having him in charge of the nuclear weapons because I think his response, his his visceral response to attack people on their appearance, short, tall, fat, ugly. My goodness, that happened in junior high. Are we not way above that? Would we not all be worried to have someone like that in charge of the nuclear arsenal? Mr. Trump. I never attacked him on his look. And believe me, there's plenty of subject matter right there. After the debate, Fiorina gained the most Twitter followers with over 30,000. The candidates have plenty of time to prepare for the third GOP debate. That is scheduled for October 28th in Boulder, Colorado. A tsunami watch is in effect in Hawaii and parts of California today after a magnitude 8.3 earthquake hit the coast of central Chile yesterday. The quake has killed eight people and injured dozens more. One million people have been forced to leave their homes. At least 18 people are now confirmed dead due to flash flooding in two different parts of southern Utah. One person remains missing in Hilldale, Utah, after two vehicles with women and children was swept away. Another person is missing in Zions National Park, where a flash flood overtook hikers in a slot canyon. The search resumes today. A third body has been found in the aftermath of a pair of wildfires in Northern California. The latest victim was a 65-year-old disabled man who refused orders to leave his home. The wildfire has destroyed at least 233 homes, with thousands more structures being threatened. A Texas high school student was arrested after school officials thought a homemade clock he brought to school was a bomb. 14-year-old Ahmed Muhammad, who is a Muslim, was handcuffed at MacArthur High School in Irving, but no charges were filed. President Obama weighed in on the controversy telling the teen it was a cool clock and asked if he wanted to bring it to the White House. Muhammad said he wants to transfer to a new school. And Matt, know of anyone with a foot fetish? Uh, no. Okay, this is creepy. Are you ready for this? <laughs> this is crazy. Police arrested a man after people spotted him crawling under library tables and smelling women's feet at oh, Florida International University. University. 52-year-old Eddie Juan was arrested Tuesday and charged with violation of sexual offender registration, fleeing and eluding, and aggravated assault. No word on if the man had an attorney. Is that creepy or what? Honestly. Here, what are you going to do today, honey? I'm going to go 
climb under desks, and smell people's feet. Can I borrow your shoes for a minute? <laughs> I'm going to go study. <laughs> I oh. like to study on my on the floor at the library. <laughs> it, I don't know what it is. It makes all that huffing makes me relax. Oh, that is is that creepy? It's totally creepy. And you know what? I would love somebody to just kick him in the kisser. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be great? So the, just a shout out. Anybody out there? If some guy comes up and starts sniffing your feet, mm-hmm. feel him. free to haul yeah. off and kick him. There you go. We learned earlier that you can do that. <laughs> if anyone's doing, you know, something weird, yeah, go ahead. Just punch him off. in the face. Yeah. Or kick him. <laughs> That's a smell he'll never forget. Honestly, people. I know. Come on. Scary. You're crazy. Of all the things you could do in the library, yeah. your, your primary goal is to smell feet. Really scary. It is. If you want to smell feet, <laughs> come to my house <laughs> in my little mudroom area. I've got a lot well, of your shoes. your boys have put their shoes. That that might smell kind of bad. Isn't that? Honestly. <laughs> See, so anybody out there that thinks you've got a bad life, it could be worse. You could be crawling on your hands and knees, smelling people's feet at the library, getting arrested for f- smelling feet. That is the weirdest. The foot sniffer. Mm. Six, six, six. Okay, worse. Check this out. Let's say... You had a relative that had uh, MRSA. Have you ever heard of that? M-R-S-A. It's one of those superbugs that, you know, you get at the hospital and you can't get rid of it and eventually it eats away at your body. Well, we're going to be speaking um, with a guest, actually two guests. Dr. Brad Burgess will be joining us. He's an assistant professor here at uh, BYU. And Jacob Hatch is one of his students. Well, Jacob... Uh, had a family member who lost his leg to MRSA. And he then took the research and started working with uh, one of the BYU's professors. And together, they're now working on some um, cutting-edge ways to, uh, to, to beat this superbug of MRSA. So stick with us, folks. An interesting story coming up, fighting MRSA. It's a family affair. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Have you ever heard of these superbugs? You know, these uh, kind of these penicillin-resistant bacterias or amoxicillin-resistant or any cillin-resistant bacterias. They're a bad deal, folks. And uh, one of them we're going to be talking about today is called uh, MRSA, M-R-S-A. And we're going to be talking to the experts, finding out a little bit more about that, and then tell you a a pretty incredible story of a family that's taking on MRSA because it got very personal. Joining us today um, is Dr. Brad Burgess, who's an assistant professor of microbiology and molecular biology here at Brigham Young University, and Jacob Hatch, an undergraduate uh, student studying microbiology. And they banded together to fight MRSA simply because somebody that's near and dear to both of them um, had a battle with it. So we welcome both of you, Dr. Burgess and Jacob Hatch. Welcome to the show. 
Morning, Matt. Thank you. How are you guys? Thanks for being on the show. We we saw your story and uh, I just had to talk about it. We this MRSA thing, it's a big deal. So before we go too far, uh, Dr. Brad Burgess, will you explain to us what is MRSA? Why we need to worry about it? It's it's more than just a staph infection, right? It is, yes. MRSA is a particular type of staph aureus that's resistant to nearly all antibiotics that we have available to, to treat these patients. And in addition to being drug resistant, MRSA also has lots of tricks up its sleeve to try and hide out from our immune system as well. And so people get these infections, and unfortunately, a, a decent percentage of them end up dying from MRSA infections because we don't have many treatments available for them. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, oh, it's scary because these are the superbugs, right, that are now so resistant. And, and are there are there more and more, are they are we getting more and more types of these superbugs or do, are we, are we kind of getting our hands wrapped around it? No, the, the problem only continues to get worse because as we treat patients with the antibiotics that still do work, then the bugs have really good incentive to try and evolve themselves so that they can escape from those drugs. And so not just Staph aureus, but lots of different types of microbes are developing resistance. And unfortunately, the number of new antibiotics coming down the pipeline is there are just a few companies working on it, and there are oh. not that many new ones becoming available, unfortunately. Oh, that's scary. And um, so along with this story, uh, Jacob Hatch is joining us, and Jacob's dad um, somehow he he got the bacteria of MRSA, and it ended up it ended up taking a leg in the end. Uh, Jacob, welcome to the show. Talk to us about your dad's story. And by the way. Um, Jacob, you are related to Dr. Burgess. How? That's right. Um, Dr. Burgess, Brad, is my brother-in-law. He married my oldest sister. So this is a brother-in-law fighting for dad and a son fighting for dad. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty cool. Tell us about your dad's story. Yeah, my father is a diabetic, and he has, for my whole life, had a lot of problems with his feet. And he has de- he, he'll develop a sore on his foot, and then it's just really hard to get it to heal or yeah. go away. So I think that's originally what happened with this infection was he got a sore on his foot, it became infected, and eventually um, we found out that he had MRSA. I was on my mission during that time, so I didn't really get much of the front end of the story. I just kind of heard about it once it had gotten bad enough that he heard that his leg would have to be amputated. Oh, my heavens. And, I mean, again, very typical for diabetics to get these kind of sores in their legs because of the circulation issues and other issues. And and then now to have, you know, this bacteria kind of lingering in hospitals and everywhere, um, Mm -hmm. boy, now it gets in. And I guess it just – what does it do? What did it do? Does it kill the whole leg? What was it doing to the leg that they had to remove it or below the knee? In my dad's case, it just decalcified the bones in his in his ankle and foot. And because it was so destructive, because it, it was bad to all the bones in his foot, there wasn't any way they could save even one bone hmm. and, and maybe keep his leg. So the only option really was to amputate at that point. Unbelievable. And and uh, Brad, were you were you married to uh, to Jake's sister at the time? I was, yeah. So so, you, so here you are a microbiologist understanding what MRSA is and what it does, what were you going through? Well, we just felt kind of helpless, you know. I, 
I'm a microbiologist, but I'm not a clinician. So yeah. It's not like I was, you know, yeah. visiting with him and making recommendations on what to treat him with. You know, I'm a researcher. So. So you just see, you saw MRSA at the very personal level. Sure. Um, were you already studying MRSA? No, I. You know, my bread and butter that we do in our lab is we study viruses like HIV and dengue virus, other bloodborne human pathogens, and. You know, I'm I'm more trained as a virus expert, not so much in these bacterial infections. Hmm. But once once this, you know, once Bryant had this problem and he got this infection, you know, I said, hey, you know, we don't like MRSA. Let, let's start yeah. a project in our lab working on trying to find ways to treat and prevent these nasty bacterial infections. And that was really the genesis of, of us starting to work on this. You know, what's weird, Brad, is a lot of kids are like, hey, I want to play pro ball when I get older. And you're like, no, I want to take on viruses and MRSA. I mean, that is a crazy profession. But uh, somebody needs to be doing it, right? Yeah, well, if we all want to survive, sure. That's right. We, you're on the front end of this. Uh, tell me, when MRSA starts hitting everybody, we're, gonna, we're coming to your house, Brad. <laughs> um, your poor family. But um, So talk to, us, what, talk to us about your research. What did you and Jacob end up putting together? So we ended up discovering about a dozen viruses that seek and destroy MRSA. Oh, wow. They're viruses, you know, just like they're bacteria pretty much everywhere on the planet. They're viruses that that try and not only infect us, but they're also these things called bacteriophage that are viruses that they only seek out certain types of bacteria to try and kill them. And these bacteriophages, they're thought to be the most abundant life form on the entire planet by many orders of magnitude. So we simply went looking for places where MRSA is known to hang out, and that's where you find the viruses that like to parasitize and kill MRSA are in those same locations. So we went through and and we were able to discover a dozen new viruses that like to target MRSA in particular. But what's interesting about these viruses is they have zero ability to infect human cells. Oh, interesting. you have these things living, you know, on your skin. Yeah. You have them living inside your nose, for example, another place where Staph aureus likes to live on our bodies, but they they have no impact upon us. And so we thought, well, well, let's see if we can, first of all, find these viruses, and second of all, try and characterize them and see how effective they are at killing off MRSA. Wow. I mean, that's huge. So you found you found 12 different fabs, I guess you're calling them, bacteria fabs. Uh-huh. And um, and now, do they just naturally? I mean, I guess now you got to just see if we inject it into the into the MRSA, it should just attack it and eat it. It should, yeah, yeah. So our, in our first study that we just published recently, what we showed is that if you take you know solid surfaces or clothing, for example, that have MRSA on them, you can add these phages, and what they do is they go along and they they kill the, the MRSA that's there. So hmm. something that happens commonly in, in the ICU at the hospital is we have one patient who has a MRSA infection, and nobody else may have a MRSA infection at the time, but as the doctors and nurses move from one room to the next, they can pick up MRSA on their clothes, for example, or on their instruments and, wow. and move it around. Yeah. The next thing you know, other people are infected too. So the main goal of our study was to see if we could decontaminate things that might have MRSA on them to try and prevent the spread. What, and, uh, what are you finding out? So we were able to, to kill off, you know, at least in some, in some cases, we were able to kill off 99% of the MRSA, you know, for example, that was on like the, the type of lab coat 
that a doctor might wear in the hospital. Yeah. So, what, but you're really killing it with a virus. So we go in. Let me just see. I'm a very simple-minded person. So we go in. We spray down a lot of you know disinfectants and stuff to get rid of viruses to kill all of this stuff. MRSA can still you know exist and spread. And then you're saying that if you actually inject or insert um, viruses, twelve or so that you found that are that are known to kind of be killers of MRSA. Just having that around will eventually – so having viruses there actually will take on MRSA. Exactly. Yeah, what's cool about viruses is when they replicate themselves inside a cell, you'll have a case where one bacteriophage enters one cell, multiplies, you know, and within an hour or so it can release over a thousand new phages that then, you know, kill off that initial cell. Wow. And then they start to spread and seek out other bacteria to try and kill them too. So this is not quite like a detergent, yeah, no. not quite like an antibiotic, because the therapy actually multiplies itself. That is cool. So really, there's a day that you're, but you're just going to go spraying viruses. So get rid of like, <laughs> get rid of like bleach and 409 or whatever, and you're just going to be out there spraying viruses that don't harm humans, but will go multiply and take on MRSA. Yeah, we have the potential potential to do that. You obviously, cool. you know, the doctors don't want to be walking around with their <laughs> with their scrubs and their lab coats sure. covered in detergent or whatever, because that would really irritate yeah. their skin to do that. But these bacteriophages are harmless to humans. And one area we're still looking into that we want to do some experiments next is to actually put the bacteriophage on on clothing before it gets exposed to MRSA and see if it could be a preventative measure. Oh, that's so MRSA, cool. as soon as it gets onto the lab coat, the viruses are already there to handle it before it ever gets there. And we haven't tested that yet, but we think that's another promising area to look into. That's amazing. Jacob, what are you thinking about all of this? Uh, we'll come back in a minute and talk about your dad some more, but what do you think, did you ever think you'd get this into microbiology? Were you automatically into this or... Or where you're an undergrad student? Where, where's your head? Yeah, well, it's been a great experience being able to get my hands dirty and actually work in the lab. I know. You know, don't use those words. Don't use those words, Jacob. <laughs> hands dirty, MRSA. Don't go there. Keep, keep my hands clean. As yeah, there you well, go. But, <laughs> okay, but actually, get some some real laboratory experience because that's that's been a great a great thing about BYU is the initiative to help students get real experience in research. Yeah, and it, um, I didn't know to what extent I would become involved in the research and and. In reality, I've been part of a team that's done a lot of work, and it's, it's been great to work as a part of a, a really fruitful team. But this but, is cutting edge, isn't it? I mean, this is big. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's been really interesting research, and it's been great to get a paper published to show that the idea that started out as, as just an idea can actually be something that will work and, and affect people's lives and help oh, yeah. them overcome such a terrible infection. Well, and man, what if what if we could save legs, right? What if we could s- save more fathers from going through what your dad went through? Uh, it's powerful right. stuff. Let's take a break. Again, we're speaking with Dr. Brad Burgess and Jacob Hatch, uh, microbiologists and students, um, undergraduate students studying microbiology. They're taking on uh, they're taking on some pretty serious stuff, and they're they're doing it with the hope of, you know. A little vengeance on their dad's leg, but also uh, changing the world, folks. Um, it's, sometimes it's a family matter, isn't it? Sometimes you just need the right motivation, and some amazing inspiration can follow. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Joining us on the phone, Dr. Brad Burgess and his brother-in-law and uh, microbiology undergraduate student, Jacob Hatch, are joining us. And they're telling us the story about their uh, father-in-law and father, Bryant, who, um, who somehow was exposed to MRSA, the, the great, you know, superbug that uh, is resistant to the psyllin world and families, I guess. Again, I'm not that kind of doctor. But uh, they have been working on trying to understand ways to combat MRSA and the like, and we welcome both of you guys back. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks. Thank let, you. Let me make sure I got this right, okay? You, your, your father-in-law, Dr. Burgess, your father, Jacob, diabetic, had sores on his feet, somehow was infected with uh, the bacteria of, of MRSA. It started destroying his leg, basically. He needed it to be, he needed an amputation, I think, below the knee, around the knee, I guess. Is that right? Yep. Then uh, you guys get together and you say, hey, okay, we've got to figure this out. MRSA, bad and then you went about trying to figure out viruses that actually would attack the MRSA bacteria and kill it. And you ended up coming up with about 12 of them and tested these viruses that would go attack the MRSA. They don't hurt humans. They just hurt MRSA. And you found in some of your tests that it's pretty much 99% effective at killing the MRSA bacteria. That's correct. That's cool. Now, they're using this a lot, Brad, aren't they, where um, we, we had a guy on from the University of Utah in Huntsman Chemical – or Huntsman, um, Huntsman Cancers uh, Institute where they, they actually use the herpes virus to go attack melanoma cancers, which is how that they can get the chemo into the melanoma. That's correct. Have you heard about that? Is that the same theory that we're now using viruses to kind of go do the busy work for us to go find and then we can figure out ways to introduce methods of killing it? In this case, this virus itself kills the MRSA. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I actually worked on herpes simplex virus as a Ph.D. student a number of years ago. That, That virus actually has the ability to find tumor cells and directly kill them. That's amazing. Yeah, so if you can engineer a virus to do what you'd like it to do, you know, it can really have a a good outcome instead of the the bad outcomes we typically think of for viruses. Yeah, we we usually think of viruses as bad. Like I have a cold virus. I don't I don't know what I have. I have a cold. But I it's bad. It's a bad thing. Herpes bad, right? MERS yep. uh, yeah, all these other viruses, but in the end, like you're saying you you could re-engineer them to use its strengths, and then, you know, turn it into a ninja, ninja virus. Exactly, yeah. It's pretty they're cool. Very, they're very good at what they do. They, they multiply, you know, as they do their work, they multiply until they can spread out and, and do further seek and destroy, you know, to kill cancer cells, to kill MRSA cells. Are, so. are, are you creating then a, a, a cocktail of the viruses to go out and kill MRSA? Have you tested it on other superbugs? You know what? Yeah, we have developed a cocktail because each each bacteriophage that we find has kind of a limited host range, meaning, you know, of all the different kinds of MRSA out there, each bacteriophage will kill a subset of all those different kinds. So we try to make an overlapping cocktail yeah. where one of them kills A, B, and C, another one kills X, Y, and Z. 
and Man. so forth. And at, at, up to this point, in our recent publication, we showed that we can kill MRSA on, on a glass surface and also on, on a lab coat type material. And in our current studies, which we're still preparing to publish, we're showing that we can also kill MRSA in this state that's called a biofilm. A biofilm is a community of bacterial cells that kind of set up shop and they set up a wall of, of sugars and proteins that kind of hide the bacteria and protect the bacteria uh, yeah. from antibodies, from antibiotics. And, you know, we're, we're just now showing that the bacteriophage can sneak past that barrier and they can kill off the MRSA, you know, in its fortification, so to say. That's great. So you, I assume, have to just keep studying this, proving this. When, you know, when are you going to, you know, start creating products, <laughs> home products? Well, that, that's a great question. You know, it's one thing to, to find something that could serve as a disinfectant of sorts. It's an entirely different beast to try and get something where you might inject it into, into a human. Foot. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, it takes... 10 to 15 years and an investment of upwards of a billion dollars to be able to get something approved to actually inject it into humans yeah. because you have to do an enormous amount of safety work to prove that it's not going to be harmful. In terms of disinfectants, you don't have to go through the Food and Drug Administration to get something like that approved. So that's something that's a lot more feasible for the you know for just the next few years. Wow. But really, it's going to be quite a while, I guess, before this is going to be saving a leg. Yeah, but at the same time, if we could prevent the leg from getting infected yeah. in the first place by the disinfectant strategy, then maybe we can have something that helps people sooner. Would you, now, this isn't, well, I'm not even going to ask you. I was going to say, would you go to your dad, your father-in-law, and give him the cocktail anyway? <laughs> no, there that's I not really ethical Checking your ethics. That that's what I was doing. I was yeah. checking him. You know, you never know. You know, it could. What, what if there was some type of MRSA that was in that cocktail? Because right. we have to use MRSA to make the phage in the first place. You have to be really careful that there's no more MRSA in there. You know that we used to propagate the virus in the first place. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, well, we we don't we don't do that kind of rogue experimentation on humans. Excellent. Um, <laughs> that's an excellent answer. Well done, Brad. I was worried. I didn't want to have to get you indicted or something. Um, well done. Let's go uh, and talk to Jacob for a minute. Jacob, what's your, what does your dad think about all of this? I'm sure you filled him in on your success. What does he say? Of course. He's really excited that his whole terrible experience hasn't been completely in vain. Yeah. Of course, he doesn't want other people to have to go through this, so he's really excited at the prospect of his infection serving other people. So he's, he's had a really positive outlook on it all, and he's and he's been really upbeat despite the difficulties that he's had. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Like, I mean, A, losing your leg is such a big deal. And um, I mean, in diabetes anyway, to the point that it's disabling him so much. But also just, I guess, the, the pride of knowing that your kids are on it. Yeah, I, I thought the amputations, honestly, were a thing of the past when I was younger. I guess I was just naive because now... I know that a lot of people, especially diabetics, go through that all the time. So yeah. it's it's something that happens a lot, but I'm really glad that because of Brad, we've been able to de- delve into this research and prove that there are other ways of treating it that may be more effective than what's currently available. How many brothers and sisters do you have, Jacob? I have four older sisters, and then I'm number five and the only boy. Wow, that's pretty cool. Um, let's be real here. Is Brad now the favorite son-in-law? 
<laughs> he just I've always been. Always been <laughs> there's always been the discussion about who's the favorite, and I think this may have put him ahead yeah. of the race. Well, I'm so. pretty sure. I mean, A, well, I don't know. It's kind of creepy, Brad, that you play with herpes viruses and stuff. That's weird. <laughs> but if you're going to save lives and and really take on MRSA, you're, you're a stud. Thanks. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> just what you needed to hear. Put that on your Vitae. Um, that's... Uh, I don't know, guys. I think that's. I think it's really powerful too that you didn't just, you know, you you didn't just roll over and you took a family issue and how cool to be able to bring it into your work life and and make a difference. So, we wish you the best of luck. And uh, I'm telling you, Brad, when you're ready to go multi level marketing, uh, we could create a really cool multi level marketing disinfectant product. Yeah, well, our our viruses they multiply themselves. That would be perfect for multi level marketing. Exactly. Wouldn't that be crazy? Only in Utah County. Um, <laughs> good stuff, guys. Appreciate you. Have a great uh, have a great day, and take care of your dad. Tell him hi from the Matt Townsend Show. Okay, thanks, Matt. You yeah. bet. Keep up the good work. How cool is that? You're taking on MRSA for crying out loud. We're also terrified of MRSA. Would you have ever believed you just need twelve other viruses? Hey, where's the virus scoop? I need to spread out some virus for my MRSA. That's crazy, folks. Man, we're living in a weird time, aren't we? But blessed. Blessed to have uh, researchers and and really motivation. It's got to be so much more motivating to be combating an illness that you just saw your father-in-law have to take on. Interesting stuff. Stick with us, folks. We'll take a break. Come back. Continue the discussion. On the other side, this is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. How cool. Our universities, you know, at some level, it's working, isn't it? That uh, the research, it's happening. And again, we slow down because we got to get it right. I totally love that. And and yet it also seems like there's times we should figure out a way to speed it up. There's certain things it seems like to me, we ought to be making sure we figure out. Some of these superbugs... We probably ought to figure that one out. We, In fact, we had some sound um, of, of some superbugs that uh, we caught uh, the other day when um, Ben was at his house. His sister was helping him, you know, do the lice combing superbugs. But we got to figure it out. Not, and not all universities are are having the breakthroughs either, right? I mean, that's the hard part. I've always believed the cure to most of these problems is in 20 labs. It's just those labs aren't talking. They're not sharing. I mean, they're they're writing articles, but there there may not be as as much cooperation as we need. Do you have that audio, Ben? This is I, I'm looking for it on my phone. Oh yeah, because yeah. yeah, you were you just shot it from your phone while your 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 sister was. How long did you have lice, Ben? Three years. Is it true that once the birds came, 
they took care of it? Um, so my pet bird, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he just started nibbling. Mm-hmm. It's cute. That's, so. why, that's why you need a bird. That's why you need a bird. Did uh, You just let me know when you got that. Uh, you know, the University of California, they're on top of it. They have uh, put a ban out. This, And I don't know why some other university hasn't thought of this or even just the government. The University of California is about to ban all offensive statements and acts. All of them. The University of California regents are expected to affirm a statement of principles against intolerance which asserts that everyone in the university community has the right to study, teach, conduct research, and work free from acts and expressions of intolerance. The measure bans a wide range of speech and actions from graffiti of the swastika to any verbal expression of hate for an individual or group. And while the statement says it will not apply to all the free exchange of ideas, you know, that need to be there at a university— um, but so it will not apply to the free exchange of ideas in keeping with the principles of academic freedom and speech, but uh, that it will apply to other speech. Its new policy will limit speech on campus by asserting a right not to be offended. Is this how we do it? I mean, if if we could have had a ban on all offensive acts— why haven't we already done that? Well, uh, maybe because people are still just going to offend. I mean, did you not see? Did you not see the debate last night? So they could say, "Hey, everybody, let's just not be offensive." UCLA professor Eugene Volok Volok argues that the statement will have a chilling effect on discussion of controversial subjects for students and non-tenured faculty concerned about losing their place in the school community. The authors of the proposal love free and open exchange of ideas, he says, of the regents, until some ideas they dislike uh, are expressed. So some of the professors are like, oh, wow, now you're going to start limiting what we can say and you're going to start determining what's offensive or not and it's going to create other problems. Again, the reality is, is you can't legislate morality and good common sense. You can try, but in the end, people are going to be offensive, and offense and taking offense is a highly interpreted event. Right, Ben? Like you're not offended that I brought up the bird thing. Well, it's a fact, so. Yeah, it's a fact. Yeah. And I understand that. Yeah. Well, we all do. And we're – I mean you look good. Your hair's growing back in. It's good. The sores have healed. I mean, it's good. Well, I, I think the the bleach hair shampooing, yeah, that that did the trick. I think you look a lot yeah. better. I mean, you look like a surfer boy with the bleached hair. Um, did did you find the audio of your sister combing through your hair? Yeah. So she she actually combed through my hair and kept like my phone recorder right next to it. Oh, cool. And so it, it might be a little bit. Hazy. What'd she but... come up with? Let's see. Wow. This Is goes that... on for about five minutes. Wow. Yeah. No wonder you needed the bird. 
That's huge, dude. Damn. I wonder if that MRSA virus, if we started just spraying your head with the the 12 viruses, I wonder if that would take care of those little bugs. It would probably burn less than the bleach. Oh, for sure. Hey, um, so if, just, you know, if you want to just know that from now on at University of California, there will be no more offensive things there. Unless, of course, your standards don't jive with the university. Then, ugh. Sorry. Here's another one for you. Uh, did you hear about this Twin Falls, Idaho man is charged with burglary after the police say he returned to Twin Falls home that he had robbed because he had forgotten his car keys and cell phone? Oh, come on. Oh, I, I know. So he comes back. and He's like, hey, hi. Yeah, I'm Jim. Uh, have you seen have you seen some car keys and a cell phone? Uh, sir, well, we're investigating a robbery. They're on your bed next to your dresser. Check the bed next to your dresser. Yeah, okay, yeah, where I, you know, not I, where the drawer, you know the drawers that are on the floor? On the bed right there, yeah. So you know the mirror where I wrote, I will kill you (laughs) on lipstick? I know where you live, don't tell the police. Yeah. Next to the lipstick that I used, they're right there. Apparently, the, the guy... What a what a what a misfit. A woman called police when she found her home was ransacked on Saturday with a stranger's cell phone on the bed and a strange car parked behind the property. Police were at the scene when 22-year-old Caleb Shea Funky, which pretty much says it all. His last name is Funky, uh was dropped off near the vehicle. Oh, darn. I mean, I can't. Oh, where are my keys? Oh, boy. I bet I left them on the bed. The keys were found inside the burglarized house, unlocked, and uh, the cops took him out, unlocked the car, and started the vehicle. Busted. Court documents say Funky acknowledged uh, during an interview with the police to being involved uh, in at least two other burglaries, where he left his wallet and his iPad. (laughs) Funky is messed up. With Tinder still up. That's right. It's such a... a Crazy story, but true. So when in doubt, a little advice for you. If you're going to rob something, make sure you uh, keep your car keys in your pocket and your cell phone. I wouldn't even take them. Just easy to forget stuff. That's the show, folks. We're going to uh, take a break, come back for hour number three of the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be talking about uh, your dating life and how maybe your past might be stalling your future when it comes to dating. I know Ben will be listening. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Man, have we got a show for you. This is the show where we help you with your uh, your household projects that relate to you personally. We're going to help you live longer, love stronger, lead a healthier family, In just a few minutes, we have Michelle Skeen joining us. She's the author of the book, Love Me, Don't Leave Me. 
and she's going to be teaching us about how your dating life may be impacted by your uh, just one past event. One bad breakup could be costing you current future current experiences as you're out in the dating world. So she's going to uh, walk us through that. Love me. Don't leave me. By the way, the exact same words Ben used last time when I walked out of the room. What was that about, Ben? I found that weird. It was a really hard day. Man, apparently. Has he ever said that to you, Kathy? You guys are too chummy. <laughs> I know. We spend way too much time in this box. Oh, wow. Love me, Matt. Don't leave me. <laughs> so weird. Isn't there a song? There is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, uh, did Shania Twain sing it? I don't know. I love Shania Twain. Oh. I, don't, I don't recall that one. Shania's okay. Is it, you don't think she's great? I, no, I love she's her. fantastic. Yeah, I just can't beautiful. say that because my wife will get mad. That's true. She's like, you love Shania, don't you? And I'm just like, eh, I mean, she's, <laughs> she's fine. She's okay. She's a pretty face. She's a pretty woman. She's pretty persona. <laughs> she's got a great persona. Donald Trump, by the way, in the news, he cleared it all up, I think, um, and again, I hope I'm not going to step on your your toes here, but we've got to get Donald Trump took care of it. When it comes to Carly Fiorina, this was his response. Clip seven. You know, it's interesting to me. Mr. Trump said that he heard Mr. Bush very clearly and what Mr. Bush said. I think women all over this country heard very clearly what Mr. Trump said. I think. Don't talk, she's Donald. She's got a beautiful Don't talk. face, and I think she's a beautiful woman. Oh, Donald. Don't talk. Just shut your mouth, Donald. It was going so well. What do you think about that? That's I don't nuts. know. He came right off the bat and went after uh, Rand Paul, so you knew right then. It's like, oh, it's going to be a long night. I think. Telling Rand Paul that he had a lot of things he could have said about his looks, but he, you know, mm-hmm. didn't go there. Did you hear what Rand Paul said after mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I did. Well, Rand said, Donald, love me. Don't leave me. <laughs> Which, is, by the way, is our next guest, I don't Michelle think Skeen. he said that, but... He didn't say that. No. No, he didn't. Uh, but he could. Let's mm-hmm. be very real. He totally could. Um, the, also, a really big thing that came up in the debate, which I personally think Carly Fiorina schooled. She did a great job. Scored. And I also think... Uh, I mean, there was a lot of people that, man, you're like, they have a voice? Mm-hmm. I haven't heard them yeah, speak before. Yeah, a lot of them. I think it was Walker got the le- least mm-hmm. amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Walker's. And Carson. I mean, he's number two in the polls, right. and he didn't get very much time. And I thought he hurt himself. Yeah. I didn't think he did a very good job last night. Well, Too I, quiet. Yeah, I don't think he's, that's his forte, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, he kind of needs, not. he needs to sit down in the living room with about 30 of us and mm-hmm. just talk yeah. to us. You know what I loved about Carly Fiorina when she got, she really got specific on the military. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, she knows what she's talking about. Oh, she's she done her knows research. It. And she got very specific totally. in a lot of different ways. And I thought that was great. Yeah, I thought I thought it was weird when she showed her military tattoo though. <laughs> that was that strange. was that anchor was a little weird. Wow, anchors away, Carly Fiorina. <laughs> um, I also uh, really enjoyed finding out what Jeb Bush and Donald Trump would pick as their desired Secret Service names. Ready? It's very high energy, Donald. <laughs> Ever ready is what Jeb wants to be called mm-hmm. by the Secret Service. Mm-hmm. It could be the Energizer Bunny. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe it was Energizer. No, I think you were right. I think ever it was ready? Ever Ready. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of the other battery. Humble. 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 Oh, yeah, no. 
Humble has left the building. Yes. Hey, when did Humble get there? Yeah. I don't think he could ever be uh, linked no. with humbleness. No. Humility. I mean, you got the name's got to stick. Is humbleness a word? Humility. Humility is probably the word. Yeah, the better one. Uh, do you, what Secret yeah. Service name would you want, Kathy? I would want um, Catwoman. Yeah. How about really? you? Yeah. I, I'd take Catwoman. <laughs> no, you can't have that. Oh, if you're going to use it. Robin. No, I want, uh, well, I I think I'd have something to do with Plantar. Yeah, that's good. Um, do they have two names? Like, yeah. They have two. The Gipper. Uh-huh. Uh, I'd say. The Plantar? The Plantar. Yeah. Or maybe just Plantar <laughs> with an exclamation point. <laughs> Foink! That's my, that that's, sounded like a superhero yeah. when you said that. That was good. Has Plantar left the building? <laughs> yes. Plantar is limping toward the helicopter. Sir Plantar. Plantar is dragging his leg. <laughs> yeah, that's what I go by. Plantar. Oh what would you go as, Benny? Balboa. Oh, why? Oh, because of the weekend in Balboa? No, because Rocky it Balboa? represents me the most. Balboa. How? But the island or the movie? The, the movie, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Just go yeah. by Rocky. Yeah, I don't see that. Do you see that? No. No. Like Adrian. Maybe Adrian. <laughs> Yo, Adrian. Uh, go by Adrian. I wonder what Hillary's is. Oh, you don't want to know. Yeah. It's bad. It's, bad. it's really bad. <laughs> like, it depends on which one. The one they use or the one they really use. The one Behind they, her back? Yeah. Okay. It's yeah, bad. that's probably two different ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> beep. Beep has left the building. <laughs> It's sad, but true. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, but and again, I, I think any one of them on their good day, mm-hmm. good bad day. Ugh. But That's you know, really, just people. And I'm not, uh, no, I'm not just climbing on because I'm a woman. But I thought Carly did just a fantastic I did job. Too. I thought she was so specific. Yeah. In many areas where Donald just, you know, he's too general. Give us some specifics, mm-hmm. and he just hasn't gotten to that point quite yet. I, I agree, and I think she's, I think she's the real deal. Yeah, she right. That's exactly how you nominate. Right then, I'm like, okay, there she, she's good. She could do it. She could do it. Take her Absolutely. on. Take he'll, yeah. Oh, that would be fun yeah. to watch those oh, two yeah. go head to head. Wow, well, that cool. would be historic, wouldn't it? Yeah, totally. Okay, uh, Kathy, uh, teach us more. What else? What else is going on in the headlines? Well, after that second GOP presidential debate last night at Ronald Reagan Library, most polls say Donald Trump came out the big winner, followed by Carly Fiorina. Trump got the most airtime, but Fiorina received some of the most applause, as you just heard when she talked about Trump's comments on her face. Another exchange that got a lot of response was this back and forth between Trump and Jeb Bush. That well, you to the look, table that Hillary Clinton is a great negotiator, it, that she could bring about a better your deal brother and your brother's administration gave us Barack Obama because it was such a disaster those last three months that Abraham Lincoln couldn't have been elected. You know what? As it relates to my brother, there's one thing I know for sure: he kept us safe. I don't know if you remember. Trump and Bush had several other exchanges, including this one. Jeff, for anybody on, Jeff, this, on this stage. I was a businessman. I got along with Clinton. I got along with everybody. Yeah. That was my job, to get along with people. But the I simple didn't wanna, fact is... Excuse me. One second. No. I the didn't want to... Yeah, you okay. cannot take... More energy tonight. I like no. that. Look. I was asked the question. I, 
According to the early ratings, the debate was the highest rated event in CNN's history with one in seven American homes tuned in, or a little more than 20 million viewers. That's slightly less than the first GOP debate that aired on Fox. The front page of the New York Daily News has CNN as the clown news network after the debate went three hours long. The candidates have plenty of time to prepare for the third debate, which is scheduled for October 28th in Boulder, Colorado. The Federal Reserve policymakers wrap up a two-day meeting today trying to decide whether or not to raise interest rates. The decision could come as early as 2 p.m. Eastern time today. The last time the Fed raised interest rates was 2006. Eight people have died and dozens others injured in a major earthquake that shook the central coast of Chile yesterday. The magnitude 8.3 quake has displaced over one million people and a tsunami watch is in effect in Hawaii and parts of the California coast. The search will resume today in southern Utah as two people remain missing from the severe flash flooding that has killed 18. One person is missing in Hilldale, Utah, and the other in Zions National Park. One of the victims at the park was a Southern California police sergeant. Two bodies have been found at the site of a wildfire in Northern California. That brings a a death toll to three. Officials say the two bodies were found in an area where mandatory evacuations were ordered southeast of Sacramento. Hundreds of homes have been already destroyed. And Matt, next time you steal a diamond, don't swallow it. Oh, boy. A Chinese woman visiting Bangkok recently had a foreign object removed from her large intestine that could have been da- could have damaged her digestive system. So the removal, that's the good news. But the bad news, the foreign object was a diamond worth nearly $300,000. Mm. The woman was accused of stealing the diamond at a jewelry fair after she denied she had done it. An x-ray, I don't know, can you stand up against that x-ray, <laughs> showed a diamond-like object inside her. This apparently isn't that unusual. Three years ago, a man was arrested after swallowing two hundred. 20 polished diamonds Holy trying to smuggle cow. them out of South Africa. But a body scan at the airport discovered the diamonds worth about $2.3 million. So, you know, when you're standing there with yeah. your arms up, you know, Is those that diamonds what they're looking go ka That's part you of it, what? I guess. You know, I once tried to steal a Rolex watch. Uh-huh. A real one or one of those fake ones? A real one okay. and just gagged myself. Mm. I couldn't get it down. Couldn't swallow it all the way. Yeah. <laughs> kind of got stuck in yeah, your throat. Yeah, they're hard to swallow. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah I, that, right I, then no. I'm like, no more fine no jewels. More. Mm-hmm. That did, that Are you did. kidding? Yeah. Who? But I mean, I guess that's a, it's smart. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Wait, I don't what? have it. Well, tell me you didn't do that as a kid. Like, you'd steal your kids, your brother's Skittles. Uh-huh. Oh, and for eat them. Sure. Swallow them. Did your kids ever swallow pennies? No. My kids or would go for dollars, quarters. Yeah. Yeah, my so kids they are, swallow the big stuff. <laughs> they're they're not the big dummies. Stuff. <laughs> They're like, Dad, I'm not going to swallow. <laughs> Did you ever swallow a penny? I remember swallowing I remember. a penny and thinking, I'm going to die. I remember my nephew stuck a bean up his nose, and they had to take him to the emergency room. It was quite, it oh, was yeah. quite traumatic, yes. My son, who was it? One of my kids stuck, um, uh, what's it called? Frog eye noodle. Frog you know those noodle. little noodles that, that they make frog eye salad? Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So he, he stuck some of those up his nose, and then my wife called me, like, freaking out, like, ah, ah. And I went. It's so easy. And it was like, so easy to get the. Well, we dug, I tried to dig, and I just kept pushing them in. Oh, so what you do? So just anybody out nose. there and listener that? Well, yeah, but he was like he was too young. Oh, couldn't know that. Yeah. He was like fourteen, <laughs> and he just couldn't blow it. He, he's, he wasn't coordinated. <laughs> yeah, but you just hold, you hold your ma- your hand over his mouth. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then and you fill and breathe in, and you let him get air. And then you just plug the other nostril. And if you just hold it down and hold it. And then he tries to breathe out of his nose. When he tries to breathe out, pops right out. Frog eye salad. That is a great It didn't come out frog eye salad. It's great. What did it come out? 
It just, I, I don't want to talk about it. It was really <laughs> disgusting. It's fermented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like MRSA. Not to be joked about. No, it's not because my mother got MRSA recently. Did you figure out? We figured out how to fix it. You know what you do? <sighs> yes. Cocktail of 12 viruses. Yeah. Kills it dead. Yeah, we weren't very happy about that. That's huge. She went in for a sore on her and her foot and came out with MRSA. No, that's what we've been talking about. Yeah, I mean, I know, that's I all over it. the that place. That was horrible. Yeah, and it's it's we they may have an answer, but we can't use it for about twenty years. Mm-hmm. Of course. So you if you're going to get MRSA, poops. hold off. Yeah, hold off a while. Okay, good. I'll tell my <laughs> mom that. Jeez, it's Go so back. sad. We're so close. Oh, I know. Oh well, you know. So we'll take care of your mom. That's crazy. Uh, coming up next, Michelle Skeen will be joining us, and she she's written the book Love Me, Don't Leave Me, Overcoming Fear of Abandonment and Building Lasting Relationships. If you are single and you're out there trying to you know get that next relationship to work, but you keep finding people just leave you and it doesn't last, and it might be you have a little abandonment issue. Stick with this. We'll be talking about it giving you some tools, some real-life, real-world tools for dealing with uh, past relationships that are impacting your current relationship. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, have you ever noticed that your past relationships are impacting deeply your current relationships and maybe not even noticing it? Do you just notice that your current relationships are in, they're struggling? You're not able to keep one, that you keep running away or you keep having issues. Well, our next guest, Michelle Skeen, Dr. Michelle Skeen is joining us. She is the author of the book, Love Me, Don't Leave Me, and she teaches that a single negative memory from childhood, or even just a bad breakup, can leave scarring of fear and abandonment and can eventually affect your relationships later in life. She's here today to talk about her book, but also to help us understand how to maybe let go of some of these past events and move forward in our uh, love lives. Michelle Skeen, welcome to The Matt Townsend Show. Thanks for having me, Matt. You bet. Honored to have you. And uh, also, by the way, people go check out her website, michelleskeen.com, because she has her own radio show as well, and you can listen to those as and get all of the books she's written. Hey, Michelle, um, talk to us about this this uh, this kind of past relationship stuff. Right. I, it can happen from childhood, right? But it could also happen just in your last relationship could impact how you date going forward. So the framework of the book, I'm dealing with um, a big um, fear for a lot of people, and that's fear of abandonment. And it's a fear that makes sense. When we're born, we, uh, if we're not taken care of, we die. You know, we're very yeah. vulnerable. So um, it's a natural belief. It's just that for a lot of people, they have experiences in childhood and adolescence. It could be something dramatic like the death of a parent or a sibling or a loved one. Or it could just be experiences like feeling um, like they're not getting the love that they need from um, their primary caregivers or some kind of message they're receiving that they're not good enough. And this... um, 
result in them feeling like they can't rely on people or that they're going to be left. Mm. Um, this idea of, you know, I mean, abandonment is also um, rejection, right? Yeah. So it's really a fear of not of being rejected, of not being loved, of being abandoned. And and I'm assuming we could have that happen when we're young, And but it's such a natural fear that'll stick with us. And it might even make us even more aggressive to protect our, our – uh, it might make us more needy, right? Or it might make us more avoidant of love. Exactly. So um, it can play out differently with people. So some one person might be really clingy in relationships. Another person might be avoidant in relationships. And this is all about – um, the behavior in reaction to this core belief. And that's what we can change. Um, that's where um, we can make some positive changes because it really is the behavior that's impact in response to this core belief that's negatively impacting relationships. Is it, it's, it's almost like we, we are wired, um, we're wired to relate anyway, but it's like if that wiring is is uh, is affected by a bad relationship or a bad event, our brain it seems like will hold on to that event, even yeah. if there's other data that's contrary to the fact. Like, like you could be a very successful person and still be terrified that you're going to be abandoned. Absolutely, um, I'm sure you already know this. The idea that um, you know negative experiences were like Velcro to them and positive experiences, you know, are like, um, you know, Teflon. Um, They don't stick with us. And um, I mean, that's the way we're wired. And it makes sense. It's protective by nature. We don't need to attach as much to positive experiences to protect ourselves, but we do to negative experiences. Mm. For people who have this fear, it really it, it feels um, almost life-threatening to them. Yeah, it's that intense, and so their reaction to it can be that intense. And you know, even for people who are avoidant of relationships, I mean, we all know how how awful that is. Just think about not having loving relationships in your life because you fear that ultimately you're going to be left or hurt by people. It's, um, it's really sad. We yeah. all need to be connected with other people. So what does this look like if we're dating someone? Let's, let's say we're fairly healthy. We don't seem to have a, a lot of fears of, from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, what would we see in someone we're dating that might be some signs that they are dealing with this issue? Mm-hmm. Um, well, what I see with a lot of my clients and people who I hear um, from through my website is they need a lot of reassurance. Mm. Um, there's a need for a lot of reassurance. So when I'm working with someone, we look at what is a reasonable amount of reassurance to expect. Um, because for the the partner that doesn't have the fear of abandonment, it can feel, it can start to feel like to them, like they're never doing enough. Right. 
Yeah. You know, I we were together last night. I just told you how much I love you. I just told you mm-hmm. that I want to make a life with you. And this morning, it's like that never happened. Um, That's there, huge. Um, it, it's really interesting um, and and sad. I mean, yeah. I say interesting in that um, it's really important to bring awareness to it. And a lot of times, um, well, we act out of awareness. It's just these automatic behaviors that um, we've been operating under for a really long time. Yeah, the automatic kind of behavior, but it feels so right and warranted, right? I mean, because, Mm -hmm. and then it almost self-fulfills because the more needy and, uh, you know, the more reassurance I need, the more I beg for it, the more you might distance yourself and pull away from me, which then reinforces the need. Absolutely. So oftentimes, yeah, you're absolutely right. They have these reinforcing experiences where like, okay, well, I was proven right. You know, they create these self-fulfilling prophecies, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's all out of awareness. I just heard from someone who her boyfriend broke up with her. He said, you need to go take care of this stuff. Like, I can't do this with you anymore. Yeah, It's too much. And um, the good news is, I, I mean, this book is really positive. I'm a really positive person. I know you are yeah. too. It's, there, there is hope. There's help. Um, this doesn't have to ruin your life and it doesn't have to, to run your life and control your life. See, that's, and that's, I guess the powerful thing is if, if I could see that you're struggling with it and we could work through it together, I can be there by your side while you're working it through. Yeah. I can be supportive or if we wait till too late, I might just say, you know what? I can't do this for you anymore. Yeah. I I can't be that for you. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I talk about in the book, there are other core beliefs that kind of interact and trigger the abandonment core belief, and and um, one of them is mistrust and abuse. So even in a marriage, I mean, a lot of people, this isn't just for people who are dating, it can really manifest in a marriage, too. Yeah. And it can be something that can go kind of un... Um, you know, unchecked for a while until a situation um, triggers it for the person who has the abandonment core belief. So it might be the person, by the way, this is true for men and women. Mm. I mean, I really do hear from as many men with this abandonment issue as I do women. Um, the, The man might be suspicious that his wife is having an affair and keep accusing her of it. And finally, it's just too much. Um, and it it ends up r- ruining the relationship because the trust is broken down. There's um, there are accusations that are unfounded, and it's all based on you know these fears that um, you know were established yeah. um, you know earlier in life. Man, it's such an interesting thing. Let's let's take a break. We're speaking with Dr. Michelle Skeen, the um, author of the book Love Me, Don't Leave Me. She's walking us through uh, this abandonment uh, fear that a lot of people have because of, you know, past how you were raised or past relationships, giving us some insights, some, some clues how to deal with it in our lives today. More with Michelle Skeen. We'll be right back. This is The Matt Townsend Show. 
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. On the phone with Dr. Michelle Skeen, who is a therapist and uh, really a radio uh, host, but is an expert in cognitive, behavioral, and mindful-based therapies. She also is really um, helping us today try to understand this attachment fear that a lot of us have because of past relationships, could be with parents, could be traumatic events in our lives, past boyfriends, girlfriends, where we where we feel where we were hurt. And in an effort to avoid that going forward, we we start to put up all of these obstacles where we either withdraw or we become too attached, too clingy, too needy. And she's walking us through that. Dr. Michelle Skeen, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Matt. Great to have you. What what are we supposed to do? So when and I mean, it seems like this is something that might be bigger than me uh, handling with myself. Can I just walk myself through my attachment fear and be done with it and take care of it, or do I need to get some professional help? Um, well, for some people, it would be really useful to get some professional help, but um, even with um, my book, there's it's. It, it's a regular size book, but there's a lot of work to be done in the book. Mm. It's not just one of those books yeah, that it's... you put under your pillow and you go to sleep and you wake up in the morning and everything's <laughs> great, right. or that you just read and it washes over you. There are a lot of exercises in the book and um, you know PDFs of all those exercises on my website. But one of the things that I was thinking is really relevant for you and probably your audience is one of the motivational pieces for change and changing your behavior in reaction to these triggers is um, to identify and bring to awareness your values. Mm. And I think that when we're in that emotional negative fog, we forget about what matters to us and what we, because we feel so desperate. Yeah. So, so by me knowing my values and, and being clear about what my values are, mm-hmm. does that help me re, I guess, uh, prioritize this fear? Right. Well, what's going to happen is you're going to look at your behaviors that are damaging your relationships in a different light. You know, um, if I'm if I feel like I'm going to be rejected and I become really critical toward this person who I think is going to be rejecting me, um, then but one of my values is to be kind, Hmm. then I'm not living in line with my values. Yeah. So um, I you know, the values piece for me is really big because I think we all say, oh, we have values. Yeah, sure. Shared values (laughs) and we have. But honestly, with the groups I run and with the individuals I work with, when people have to sit down and identify their values, like bringing words to mind mm-hmm. is difficult for people. Oh, I love I do. I agree. It's a great exercise for everyone to do, whether you have fear of abandonment or not. Go through the different domains in your life, you know, intimate relationships, you know, um, work, um, you know, family, friends, and identify the values. And one way to think about this is, you know, another way to go about it is to write your um, memorial Mm. service 
Yeah, yeah, like no. What I, you would yeah. want someone to say. I'm sure you've talked I about that before. I love that. But that's and then go perspective. Through. I mean, you don't want someone to say, oh, she was so clingy and I could never do enough for her. Mm-hmm. And when I didn't make her happy, she was really <laughs> right. mean. You know, no one wants that at the end of their life. So it's really how do you want to be recognized? How do you want people to think about you? And um, once you can do that. It makes, it's the motivation for the change. So then you can look at, you know, what is triggering you? What are the thoughts you're having? What are the feelings you're having? What is your urge? And usually the urge is really protective by nature, but it's also really destructive to the relationship and to ultimately what we all want, which is, you know, to have a life with lasting and loving relationships. So then when you don't, then the motivation is you don't act on that urge because you want to live in line with your values. And Because the urge could have been a script you learned when you were four. Absolutely. So it, so it, it could seem like a four-year-old. Exactly. Like, grow up. And guess what? Yeah. It worked back then. There's totally. a reason it worked. And all of these kind of urges and behavioral reactions based on these urges are successful in the short term. They're just not in the long term. Mm. So, you know, one of the things that um, one of the images that I bring to mind in the book is um, this game when I was little that used to be played like hot potato. Mm -hmm. You know, you just like get rid of this thing. And then when the music stopped, whoever you know, was stuck with the hot potato was out. And it's like that with our uncomfortable emotions. We just want to get rid of them. And so the easiest way to get rid of them is to just, um, you know, uh, make the other person experience them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. We like project them over to them as fast as we can. Yeah, here you go. I feel bad. Now I'm going to make you feel bad. Yeah, you're doing this to me, you evil person. Exactly. Uh, it's so real. Uh, and exactly. I, by the way, if people go to the website michelleskeen.com, you can go in there underneath the book "Love Me, Don't Leave Me." You can get all of these exercises, and it's yeah. so abundant of you to do that. But it's part of it is you want to be a part of them creating change, and you're not going to create change without getting your head in the game. No, and it's um, you know I also have a um, journal feature on my website where people can go in and journal as they go through the book. And it's, um, it's completely private, but there's a feature where they can share their entry with me. And, um, you know, I hear from a lot of people, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Like this is because the book kind of starts with an assessment. I said, yeah, this is work. And I tell everyone in the book, this isn't like an easy read where you right. just go through and it's just like easy breezy and we Good. all know right. that no progress can you know it's not easy to make progress no. and um and it's and you put the work in and it pays off though it totally does we got about to one minute leave us with the one thing if, if we could just do one thing today one thing i would say is go to michelleskeen.com and, and get those activities and just start looking at the and doing the exercises. But what's one other thing that we could do today to start to make a change on this uh, attachment fear? What everyone needs to do is to stay in the moment, to be in the moment with whatever is happening in the moment. This person who's in front of you isn't that person who caused you 
pain when you were younger. This is a different experience. This is, you know, so often people bring these past experiences to the present. They get all blurred together. Mm -hmm. Stay in the moment. Bring awareness to your experience. Take a breath. Don't act without thinking. Yeah. No, beautiful. Beautiful advice. In the now, now's the time. It's the only time you can make the change in your life. Um, Michelle Skeen, appreciate you and the great work you do. The book, again, is Love Me, Don't Leave Me, um, Overcoming Fear of Abandonment. And uh, really, folks, it's a powerful, powerful tool. Uh, We've got to stop this because this is really where a lot of the relationships deteriorate. Go to the website as well, michelleskeen.com. We'll take a break. Come back. Visit our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Why it's wrong, but on the other hand. Welcome back, partner. Matt Townsend Show. We're going to mosey on down to our good buddies at uh, BYU Sports Nation as we celebrate International Country Music Day with our good friends Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Hello, gentlemen. That's the best you could do on International Country Music Day. Howdy. <laughs> what What did you want? What, I mean, Thunder what? Rolls or something like that from Garth Brooks. Wow. Jeez, you really are a country music fan. I didn't even, I haven't even heard of the Thunder Rolls. How about Rolls? old school Taylor Swift? <laughs> Thanks, Stacy. Isn't a country singer? <laughs> Taylor's country. Was. She's a little bit country, but he, but you know. Keep country, country. He's a little bit rock and roll. What's who? Who sang that song? George Strait. No, Donnie Marie Cash. Osmond. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. No, Donnie Marie Osmond. Stop it. No, one. They want. We're, we're in our thirties, so we don't know that. Yeah. Well, time to grow up. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I want to, to live in Never Never Land. Time forever. to grow up and experience with the Hugh Osmonds. Jackman as you guys Blackbeard. <laughs> You work at you work at BYU. You got to know Donnie and Donnie and Marie Osmond history. Really don't, to be mm-hmm. honest. Seems kind of negative. Yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm not being negative. I'm just saying I don't know. You, you don't know? Yeah. Hey, did my you mom get... loves me or loves her some Osmonds. She she loves her some Osmonds. Oh yeah. Hey, um, did you guys know it's National Monte Cristo Day? Is that a sandwich? That's a sand. That's a sandwich. Jeremy, have you had a Monte Cristo it's sandwich? It's a fried ham and oh. cheese sandwich. They're amazing. Oh, that sounds mm. really good. Have you had the one at Disneyland, Matt? Uh, no, I couldn't afford that. Incredible. <laughs> Is it wonderful? Yes. The what? best $12 sandwich you can buy. 12 What, you didn't want no, fries sounds, with it? That sounds delicious. <laughs> it's a $30 sandwich. I'm all about spending, you know, when you're at a game or a play, you know, like, you just spend the money. They're you know? fried. They have powdered, it has powdered sugar on it. Oh, and that would ham, be good. Oh. Ham. It's, it's amazing. With ham. Interesting. Wow. Huh. I'm hungry. Are you guys hungry? I'm starving. Well, luckily you've got I'm a whole show to win. I do have one Twizzler half eaten. If you're interested. I would eat that right now. Man, you're desperate. Mm-hmm. You guys going to do your show today even though you're hungry? Absolutely. Are you going to still focus on sports? We're going to work up a healthy appetite. <laughs> uh, any... 
Any interesting topics? None whatsoever. Is there, there's something going on this weekend. <laughs> well, it's even before then, BYU and Utah have signed a contract <gasps> to play in 2019 and 20. And that game will kick off the season each year. Now, here's the funny part. The end of the 2018 season is BYU and Utah. Bowl game. And then 2019 is BYU and Utah again. So they'll play two out of the last, or uh, a set of three games there. But it's great. They're going to play five years in a row, uh, 16 through 20, under contract. Awesome. It's going to add a completely additional line of stress to every year. Uh, And line of awesome. Yeah, awesome yeah, is what I was thinking. Yeah, the whole summer will be the build-up to BYU and Utah. It'll eight be great. months of vitriol, Matt Townsend. Eight but months. I, 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 get, I, I feel violated when I go to that game. I, I've actually attended both schools, and I feel violated. Why is that? Because it's crazy. There, there's a lot of hate going on in that rivalry. And therein lies a rivalry. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's scary. Like, I feared for my wife. I f- and that was just, you know, getting a Monte Cristo sandwich <laughs> at yeah, concessions. I, I've sat in the U- Utah student section for two BYU-Utah games. Yeah. Did you wear blue? Uh, I was a teenager, so I was dumb, and I did. Yeah. Oh, you took your shirt off and p- painted letters on your chest. Something like that. Yeah. Nothing no, wrong with I that. I never did that. Meryl J. Bateman would have none of that. <laughs> I'm doing it tomorrow at the uh, company outing. <laughs> no, but I'm I, disappointed I'm not going to be there to You see should it. be there, dude. It's hard because it's hard to write BYU Broadcasting on your chest. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> with stencils. <laughs> with stencils. It's hard to stencil it. And nobody else wanted to do it but me. So anyway, whatever. Don said he'd help, but... <laughs> he said he. Don's paint. always the leader of the. Don, yeah, Don Chaline's always the guy with the shirt off at the company retreat. It's Have you ever noticed weird. that? It's always like Don, like, put your shirt on. One person's like, "Hey, lose the shirt," and he's like, "Sure." It's like, <laughs> what? What's going on here? You know, it was weird the other day. He's like, uh, he wanted, he didn't want to get sunburned, so he just handed me a bottle of suntan lotion. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yeah, that's even more." Would weird. you help me out here? And I'm like, Ben. I called Ben over. Ben took care of it. You do realize that Don has the power to pull us off the air at any point. Oh, he does? <laughs> Holy cow. You know, he's probably not even listening today. I'll let you know. He'll walk in here in about one You're minute. Like, hey, about one second. We yeah, probably ought to let, let's with, get, the, with this shirt off and be like, yeah, it's true. What's it's going true. on here, boys? We probably ought to get to your stuff just in case he walks in here really fast. Any, anything you UCLA, Matt. Yeah, they're going to play sometime soon, aren't they? They will play on Saturday night in the Rose Bowl, one of the most storied venues in college football, as a top 20 showdown. Ooh, that is but huge. But BYU, as a 17, well, make it 16.5-point underdog. Mm. What's your reaction to BYU being the 19th-ranked team in the country, facing the 10th-ranked Bruins, and being a essentially a 2.5-touchdown underdog? Here's my reaction. There you have it. Turn that up a little louder next time. (laughs) Didn't quite quite have the pop. Was that too loud? Is that better for you? That's that's my reaction. Bruce Lee? That was totally Bruce Lee. That was Elder Bruce Lee. (laughs) Anyway, so that is the basis of our conversation today. (laughs) I think it's really... Um, what's, your, what's your reaction? My reaction is, 
like you 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 formed my my mindset on this because I was every one of these wins makes me more stressed. But then you're like, hey, we got nothing to lose. We're nineteenth. They're tenth. Just go out and play. If we keep it close, that's awesome. If we win, that's incredible. If we lose, hey, it was to be expected. No lose situation. BYU's a dangerous team. They believe right now. That's all it takes, huh? This is cool. They've won that. They've won miraculous, in miraculous fashion the past two weeks. They believe. You got to believe. Mean that. Confidence in an underdog is a scary thing. That's going to be a good discussion today, guys. Anyway. If you so, need, yeah. if I, I will try to send you down. I'm going to send you down a little, I have a little mini Twizzler pack for you. Okay. I'll send it down. I'll you be guys, waiting for it. You'll have to split it. There's really only two tiny pieces. I've been waiting. Wow. Yeah, right. Jeremy's back with us now. Jeremy. <laughs> Did he just wake up yep. from the karate punch? No, my wife asked me where a certain toy for a two-year-old was. Oh, really? Yeah. This is a daily thing now. It happened yesterday. Did we find it? She said, where's the little Kristoff toy from Frozen? <laughs> and I said, she had it in her hand when she went to bed. Oh, cute. And then she's like, where's the bird? And I'm, I said, oh, it's in the playhouse bin. Man. Yeah, this is a normal thing now at this hour. You might want to start chain, chaining some of those things down. I know. Isn't it about time? time? Yeah, it is. It's about time that she figured out where her stuff was. <laughs> That's what I just texted her. Is this a daily thing now? <laughs> you guys are awesome. And good fathers to boot. Have a great show. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, guys. You guys are great. See ya. That's cool. That's cool. He takes time in the middle of the show. I mean, it's a little rude to me, but he takes time in the middle of the show to go take care of his little baby girl. That's pretty neat. Today's National Monte Cristo Day. It's also, by the way, Constitution Day, where we celebrate the fact that our the framers of our Constitution were able to get it together. I'll talk about that. They're going to be my heroes of the day today. Um, but I got to tell you two stories uh, really quick as we're doing this. Uh, first of all, out of Minneapolis, a YouTuber spent six months and fifteen hundred bucks making a sandwich truly from scratch, including growing his own vegetables, making his own cheese. Andy George, star of How to Make Everything on the YouTube channel posted a video to um, his site titled How to Make a $1,500 Sandwich in Only Six Months. He said, I spent six months, 1500 bucks, and what he did is he had to grow his own vegetables, make his own salt from ocean water, milk a cow to make cheese, grind my own flour from wheat to make the bread, collect my own honey, and kill a chicken. And this is the sandwich sounds like when you eat it. Mmm. Sounds delicious. George wrote a description in his video, you know. He says it's not that bad. It's pretty good. I mean, sure, it's fifteen hundred bucks. You know, Subway, six ninety nine. You don't even need to milk a cow. A lot cleaner. Also out of a Danville, Kentucky, flying brisket whacks a woman amid beef at a barbecue festival. Bless you, Ben. Police say a woman was hit with a hot flying brisket when, <laughs> when a contestant's temper flared during a beef, uh, during a contest where they were sharing a cooker. <laughs> Danville police say that they were called to the uh, Kentucky State Barbecue Festival because the dispute between the contestants got a little violent. Mary Berry. Uh, no relation to Marion Barry, by the way, Mayor Marion Barry of Bardstown told of, uh, officers that she was hit in the shoulder and the neck. <laughs> and 
and the head by a slab of hot meat, which was estimated to be between 200 to 250 degrees when it was thrown. It's piping hot. Holy cow. Holy cow. Oh, did the cow run away? Did I lose the cow, Ben? Good. Now it won't make that noise. Police say the 42-year-old Mike Owings of Cunningham told the officers he threw the brisket because he lost his temper, okay? I didn't mean for anyone to get hurt. Sure, it was a hot brisket. It's a big deal. You know, anytime someone's injured with with a weapon like that, then all the associations, the National Brisket Association of America, they're piping in. They're saying, hey, brisket doesn't kill people. Brisket doesn't kill people. People kill people. That's a big point. My hero of the day. We always like to end the show with a hero. It's not those brisket throwers. It is uh, today because it's Constitution Day. It's all of the signers of the U.S. Constitution. Today is the official day commemorating the signing of the U.S. Constitution in 1787. The document stood as a result of tireless work and compromise between the delegates of the Constitutional Convention, basically to bring about an agreement between the states, which would allow a central government the power to enforce its decisions and allow the United States of America to stand as an international force. So our hat's off to them. By the way, people, leaders, we hear all about the debate, but that was the debate. And that was a bunch of diverse ideas and issues with some pretty powerful human beings who forged uh, the difference and made the difference for all of us. And we sit back and just enjoy it. So today, celebrate those wonderful people that made our Constitution possible by just simply living up to it. Thanks, folks. That's the show. We can't do it without you. We'll be back tomorrow. More ideas, more tools to help you on your human project. Stick with us. Again, take care of each other and make it a great one.